Welcome to episode 16 of the Draft Champions podcast. I'm Zach, your host, and um, you can find the Draft Champions podcast at Draft Champagne. I'm here um, for the second time uh, with a man that um, definitely at this point needs no introduction, John from MLB Moving Average, um, MLB Moving AVG um, on Twitter. What up? Yo, man, I am so excited to be back. I was so, I was so thrilled, man. I really love the show and where it's going. It's I've, been with, I've been in withdrawal. Yeah, it's been great. I, you know, I don't think a lot of people know. We, we tried yesterday, so the withdrawal is even kind of accelerated. We tried and failed. Yeah, I was, I was driving, and I was trying to get, um, trying to get the, um, the audio to work, but I couldn't on the highway, so I've been, we were, I was sending emails. I almost died uh, trying to get you on the podcast. <laughs> but, Absence made the heart grow fonder, and I, I'm quite fond of you today, man, man. Well, thank I'm, you ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for bear. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, um, let's, let's get started with, um, our 2020 vision segment, bold prediction. I don't know if you, I don't know if you have any bold predictions that you've got ready, uh, for the show. Um, well, I've always, I guess I got some bold stuff going on. People want to get at me. I guess I'm, I'm notoriously vanilla. Uh, and it's not, it's not on purpose. It's just cause man, when you into risk ventures professionally, you're wrong so often. It's, it's hard to be arrogant, you know, when you're constantly playing fantasy or trading or betting, it's, it's hard to be too arrogant. You know, I, I did have one that I think people might, might vilify me for. I like this one. How about Garrett Cole finishes outside the top five starting pitchers? That's bold. That is bold. I mean, I don't think – I think it would be bold like, to say what if I said I think the top two. Well, I was going to say I, I, I have him at like six, okay? And it's just – it's really just finish and it's just ballpark repeatability – you know, uh, and a lot of bad ball. It's a lot of bad ballparks and a lot of strong hitters. I mean, I'm not sure how much I'm willing to let the Mookie thing, which I get. I hate to get into those things until they're finalized. And it's funny. People were telling me throughout this whole Mookie nonsense, it's done, it's done, it's done. And now, like, there's monkey wrenches going on. And so I, I guess I'm going to reserve. But I don't know. I'm going to keep him outside the top five. I'm not saying outside the top ten, but. I'll put about that, that. That is bold. That is bold. I think uh, it's hard to repeat. But, 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 but the thing I'll tell you is um, – our good friend, Uncle Charlie Morton, went from the Astros to the Tampa Bay Rays in that same division and got way better. Man, he, he's somebody I wish I had more of over the years. I mean, and I saw the talent kind of coming, even though it developed, I guess, a little bit later. And, man, I, I totally am an ageist, and I have a blind spot for, you know, this goes for not only Morton, but guys like Verlander. But I keep insisting that the wheel is going to fall off the wagon and it hasn't. And I, I guess now it feels like if I get on the wagon, the wheel's certainly going to come off. But, yeah, I guess, you know, listen, Morton's production has nothing to do with Cole. And I'm not trying to say he's not good. I just think it's a, I just think it's a really tough jump. And if you want to get into narratives, I know it's, it's hard to pitch, you know, here in New York. You know, people were expecting a lot more from Paxton that we got. Not to say he's Garrett Cole. He is not Garrett Cole, but – you know, I, I half a step back. I don't think it's completely out of order. How many shares of Paxton you got? I'm, I'm not big on Paxton. I, I wasn't big on Paxton. In, the, in, the, in that range, I think I just ended up with, uh, with different guys. You know, his dur durability concerned me on a micro and a macro level. You know, his, his ability to go the whole season concerned me, but then also his ability to give me distance within games concerns me. Um, maybe we can, we'll tail back to that hopefully later, Zach, if we talk about the quality start stuff, you know, because now I'm kind of using some of my own work and you get looks at these guys and how often they're 
going deep or not going deep. I just haven't really ended up with him. You know, right around him. I prefer Brandon Woodruff if they're, you know, if they're within. I, even, I like Berrios a little bit better too. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a Berrios guy. I like Berrios more than I like Paxton. And I'm not going to say. Because Can you get Bauer around that range? Is, I, I, I like Bauer a ton more than I'm, those I'm guys. Off. I'm off Bauer. And because I was so into him before, I think I'm going to have to do some. I'm going to have to do like a little piece maybe on, on Bauer because I, I, I'm not putting you down for liking him. I had him pegged as a, you know, Cy Young. Oh, I love him. I don't like him. I love him for his, for his value this year. Yeah, but now I'm afraid after last year, my concern has to do with the year over year. Um, I, I think it was Gray from Razzball pointed out, which like, you know, is there a, a better person to refer to? Um, he pointed the year over year stuff out on Bauer and where we were hoping for continuation of a breakout, right? We had lows, we had highs. We were hoping for the old high to be the establishment of a new low and have that continue into a breakout. We didn't get that. The old high became the old high and we went back down. So if we're looking at pattern in, a, in like a pattern trade, uh, the really good year looks like the anomaly. So I'm very much afraid of Bauer where I said I very much like Woodruff if he's floating around there. I also really like Sonny Gray. And if not, I've been getting my first closer probably in Liam Hendricks right there. So to answer your Paxson question in 8 million words or less, it's very little. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm in on Hendricks as well, actually. Um, as and it's funny, right? Isn't that, it's totally not like me to fall into paying for the top closer kind of thing. But at, at 104, you know, which is – and I'm using very strict ADP the most recent because – you know, listen, man, old ADP is not going to – it'll guide you. It's just not in the right direction, in my opinion. You know, we want to – as every move happens and it creates a ripple effect, I kind of want the newest thing. And as people are doing their auctions, those are really probably more accurate than any ADP set also. All right, can I get, can, um, can I get into my bold prediction? No. What you, whose show is this? Yes, please. Okay, so Boston Red Sox. They they just um, half traded for uh, Bruce Darker Adderall, and that's um, – as we know, potentially um, falling through. So this. Well, no, I think that part is officially dead. Uh, I think that's word already. Okay, so that part's dead. Yeah, that um, that aspect of the trade, they're going to try and work it out without the twins. Is my understanding. I don't think they're going to let that get in the way of such a huge move. But it also means Maeda to the twins is is also off the table. Right. So the the Boston Red Sox Red Sox rotation is um, Chris Sale, um, Eduardo Rodriguez. And then it falls off mightily. You got oh, whoa, 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 whoa! How dare how dare you? They're in talks with Andrew Kashner, my friend. <laughs> you got some nerve bashing my Red Sox as a tremendous Yankee fan. Man, watching this ball from Grace has been has well. Been, Andrew Andrew Kashner, the Red Sox team. Kashner actually might he might be a worse pitcher than Jeff Samarja. Yeah, might, a little you, bit of love. He's, I guess they're both really durable. I guess at that point, it's probably a matter of facial hair for me. Yeah, true. And um, you know what? Samarja kind of he kind of looks like the devil. Wow. Okay. Okay. You know what's funny? This guy. I wonder, man. You made that click for me. So there's got to be some kind of weird movie reference. You know that 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 goes back to. But oh, let's 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 stay on the rails. Uh, yeah, still there. We're getting on the tangent here. So that that rotation. I don't like Evaldi either. And they got and if Price ends up going in this. Uh, in the deal, which I believe Price will end up getting traded. 
with bets at some point in the next couple of days, officially. Um, my point is that my point is my point is that myself included, and a lot of other people said that it, that rotation would not be uh, a difficult rotation to crack. Is this guy going uh, past um, the ADP of six hundred in DC drafts? His name is Darwin's on Hernandez, and he's been using the he's been using the bullpen, but he does have starter um, experience in minor leagues. I think that Darwinson is going to have top three hundred value this year, either getting. 12, more, 12 or more wins with the K9 over 9 or 20, 20 or more saves because I think he is the next best option uh, next to Workman. Yeah, that's, that's a huge amount of value if you think you're getting that. I mean, I would say it's probably the easiest right place to get 300 picks of value at 600. But if people are all over Brewster, if people are all over Brewster, oh, like he's got to get a, ch- a, start, a chance in the rotation. If price is gone, man, this guy is like probably their best option. He's probably their He's honestly going to be like their third best option at starting pitcher. Oh, Hernandez was good for 87 innings last year, which, you know, uh, you figure we're always talking about tacking on 20% or so. It's maybe a half a year of starting. You know, I, I don't know what their – I honestly don't know what their plans are. Uh, it kind of caught me by surprise to see the Red Sox trying to shed all this money considering – Listen, man, considering the reputation, you got the Yankees pushing forward. I didn't think they were going to completely, like, completely break it down to the point. Listen, Price is still, you know, a, a quality pitcher. They don't have a dearth. This is not a rotation that they can go, you know, pluck like in Houston. You have a Josh James or somebody you can just pluck up with at least a ton of upside. There's nothing. Um, right now, it looks like, looks like they're looking at Martin Perez at the five, right? Yavaldi at the four. I mean, that could get ugly really quick. Oh, yeah. And I don't even think they have the bullpen, you know, where teams like the Rays say, hey, you know what, I may not even need a starter for two out of my five spots in rotation because I, I can have all these other guys kind of pick it up in these dominant, you know, five-out roles. There's literally none of that. I mean, Barnes has shown some really great stuff at times, but he's melted down. Listen, Workman is very good, but he seems cemented at the back end. There's nothing there. That cabinet is completely, completely empty. I cannot wait to see the Red Sox play the Orioles. I think you're going to see over-unders that look like those games are in cores. Well, I guess maybe to your point, then maybe they do need Darwin's on in middle relief because they're, just, they're so empty. I never well, thought about that. Well, I'll tell that. you what. I mean, not to try – you know, it's very difficult. Anyone that is, uh, you know, prognosticating roster moves – listen, roster resource does a fantastic job. But no one is infallible with this stuff. It's just – you know, a matter of you know, combining probabilities. Maybe with his workload, maybe he could be more effective in a kind of middle role where he gave you three innings a, a game three times a week. I, I don't even know. Because maybe with that way they could space him out where he's, a, you know, giving you impactful innings the entire season um, as a much-needed lefty opposed to, like I said, I, I don't think they'd be able to push him past 105, 110. So even in a best-case scenario where he's healthy, makes all of those starts, they're, now they're really in trouble because that arm would be out of that already depleted cabinet. It, it's it's a dumpster fire there. It's kind of disgusting to be <laughs> in real news today. It's just I, know I should be loving watching that tower burn as a Yankee fan, and I'm not. I'm not. I like when the Red Sox are good. You know, 04 was a very, very dark time for me in October. But – that back and forth rivalry for that you know, two and a half years of what was going on was was what it's all about, and that they didn't go and grab. How'd you not keep Porcello or bring in guys like that? I just don't understand. 
like have that, guys like that were, were worth getting rid of. You know, he's not great, but Porcello will give you innings. Sure. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Porcello myself. No, me neither. He's Porcello for sure. But he's like an, he's like an Ivaldi. Like I think I put them in this. I put Porcello, Ivaldi, yeah. um, Jay Hap, um, Samarja's on Samarja's on a different level of shit. But um, they're also bad. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, and I we I, I got a couple Tanaka too. I don't I, I think Tanaka's in that range now. Wait, you think he's washed? I think he's washed. So his um splitter, um if you look at uh Brooks baseball, I'm pulling it up right now. That's a great uh site for anyone that is not already on that. Tanaka, Masahiro Tanaka. I was looking at it yesterday and um because uh I was looking at some of the pictures that like I, I'm looking for pictures that uh are just cooked, put a fork in them. And I'm thinking Tanaka might be. Yeah, missing. I see the emoji. You kind of, you kind of hurt me. <laughs> um, so his, I'm looking. If you go to the, if you go to Brooks Baseball and you get, you go on to uh, usages and outcomes and you go to whiff percentage. Yeah, that's the page right there. That's the page I look at. Um, his, um, well, Tanaka. Uh, oh yeah, if you sort it by year, um, not by month. You have to sort it by year. His split. Um, so I'll give you the whiff percentages from 2014 his rookie year down. 29, 20, 17. 23, 22, down to 12. Like it basically got cut in half. If you take his average um, whiff rate throughout his career, his splitter, the whiff rate got cut in half last year. And um, he was, his cutter, his, the whiff rate on his cutter was down. It was down significantly. Um, so I don't know what the result is. I don't know what the result is uh, of that. All right. As, let, me, let me just post it because I, I am looking at this right now. Um, this is really interesting for me. There's a whole bunch of interesting stuff going on in my brain right now because when we're talking about charting, which is be kind of finding its way into, uh, you know, baseball, certainly, and its analysis, we got to be careful with our interpretation of using technical analysis, right? And this is something I'm very familiar with in uh, my professional kind of trading background before I got in and you know, I mean, that's kind of where the, the moniker moving averages comes from, my trading background. So I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm just going to add a little bit of perspective I could expand and uh, sure. actually to literally expand, right? So I'm not really taking a stance. I'm just sort of pointing yeah, this not, out. Well, I, I, I'm, I think you're making a really good point is kind of what I'm saying. I don't want this to come off as, as a oh, 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 young, young man. Um, but you need to take different perspectives, let's say, right? So um, whenever I make an assumption and then maybe have that change into an assertion as I get input from technical analysis, I want to make sure to zoom in and zoom out, right? So if you zoom out now to kind of his um, year over year usage, you'll see that the 19 use of that splitter is probably more in line um, with where it usually would be. Also, we kind of have a nice technical bull channel going on. As he's made new highs, he never made new lows. It stabilized and then increased. Yes, it came back down from its high. It came back down about 3%, like you said. But if I were charting this pattern, there's a good chance that you're going to see another rise, especially with that crazy rise in his slider, which is now well above the usage had ever been in his career. I would not be surprised if that usage maybe flip-flops a bit. 
Interesting. And we're talking about Masahiro Tanaka here. So um, I guess you'd, you'd have some reservations, but you it also no, seems... No, it's just, I'm just, I'm just offering... Um, when we're trying to anticipate these, the range of outcomes, yeah. technical analysis can actually offer you something objective and give you like objective goals beyond saying um, up or down. You know, to me, I would think this looks like you could get an increase back to the 31 if you don't see another new high. Because again, he's shown the propensity to make new highs throughout his career. So that's not off the board, whether it's just a philosophical willingness to change or if it's part of a strategic plan. I mean, now that you bring out Tanaka's pitch changes, this is someone else I'm really going to have to look into because there are some significant, significant changes, you know, where uh, he really dropped that sinker outright where the four-seamer is, you know, doubling in usage, if not tripling in usage. Over now, what do you, what do you, what, uh, what um, pages do you normally focus on? Uh, okay, so uh, for this, um, you were on the money as far as Brooks baseball. Brooks baseball, for especially a kind of macro look at pitch usage is my preferred uh, place, especially when we're getting to individual pitches. I mean, if you're dealing with individual pitches and you have not contacted Mr. Alex Chamberlain for, you know, a look and chance at using his incomparable pitch leaderboard, and I've never met him personally and I don't get any money from this, but if you're, not using his leaderboard, I know of at least at least one thing wrong you're doing, you know. Um, so you have to go to Brooks Baseball. For a guy like Tanaka, especially when I'm talking about Zooming, he has a long career. So be careful when you're weighing averages across a 10-year period and a two-year period. But I'm just on the very first one, percentage pitch usage on the usage and outcomes tab. You know, and you could sort by month and year. The month I have found, especially over a long career, the chart is kind of noisy and without proper drawing tools, um, is difficult for me to kind of make any assertions. Not to say it's, 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 a, it's, uh, it's vacuous, it's, it's not, you know, empty, but, you know, remember time frames matter and zooming matters and chart type matters, not to be like the most, you know, vague, but, you know, we are talking about something I have a lot of experience in. you got to be careful. Introduce, just because you're introducing charts doesn't mean your work is getting better, right? You have to make sure that you're introducing them properly in a way that they're going to, you know, affect your work positively. Well, the second thing, uh, besides the, the picks, I, I look at the pitch mix and I look at the, the, the whiff percentage. Oh, absolutely. And then, and then the, the, the third thing I'm really focused on is the velocity. Yes, of velocity is absolutely tremendous. Oh man, who is who is working this? It's got to be Al. I think it's Al Melchior at uh, who was at the Athletic uh, with somebody I, I've met before, um, and Eno and Van Riper talked about this on rates and barrels. How just important velocity is and how it affects um, strikes over being over ninety four miles an hour. So people keep that number in mind. It's not my own, but I'm not always smart because I did the work myself. I'm smart because I attach my work to smart people. So I'm going to look into it on my own, but let's keep that 94 number in mind when you're talking about the very, very pertinent velocity. Well, Tanaka's lost about a mile per hour from his um, from the, a year or two or three, like from his. I think he, he was pretty consistent the last few years, and he lost a mile per hour last year. The reason I'm one of the reasons I'm so, I'm so down on Samarja is because he was heavily reliant on that fastball, and his he's lost four miles an hour on his fastball. So I'm re I really don't want to touch him. I know he had some good ratios last year, but. Um, his K9 was like at six. Um, 
Um, so like I'm, I'm always looking at like, it, I think it's really important in these leagues to just not trip over these players that are just going to blow up on you. And I'm like, it, I, I'd much rather just avoid these players and get somebody else that could be very similar that I don't think is just going to completely bust on you. Another guy I was looking at is Jay Happ. I referred to him earlier and like I just had in my head, um, I've, I've justified Tanaka to an extent. There's been some evidence to suggest that I could find that him and Samarja are going to be declining. However, when I looked at J.A. Happ, his velocity on his fastball has been, he's pretty much been consistent like throughout his entire career. Like he hasn't really lost much. And I think he's older. I think he's about 36. However, the one thing, I don't know if you want to, I don't know if you're going to pull up his page. You don't have to. No, 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 as you're going, I always do because I just, I'm going to see if I have anything to add. So the one thing I really found interesting with J.A. Happ was that um, for the, for the first half of last, of last year, and actually since September, 2018, um, all the way through July 2019, he did not throw a curveball. Then, in uh, July of last year, he started throwing his curveball again. However, his curveball was way faster. Like He started throwing his curveball above 80 miles an hour, which he never, ever did throughout his entire career. Then I went to look at his splits, his results, and really it was inconclusive because he had a pretty um, subpar season overall. Um, and uh, he didn't I don't, I didn't see any evidence of improvement in from July onward, but um, it's sort of like when he stopped throwing his curveball, he got bad. And then he started throwing again, way harder. And the rest of his, the rest of his pitches were maintain the velocity. So I didn't know what to make of that. I don't know if you make anything of it, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't, sometimes you find interesting information, but you just can't, you can't draw any conclusions from it. Well, he's, he's kind of been weird because, you know, he's had a couple seasons where he's been like excellent you know so again I, I haven't done that you know detailed deep dive into him so I really can't make any you know real micro um kind of claims right now but I he's somebody that I, I I watch pitch and I guess maybe the uh maybe the home team bias comes into effect because I, I don't like him you know he's closer to 40 than he is 30 you got the ages and I'm like that too yeah, listen, I'm, I am certainly, I am an admitted ageist, especially on pitching side um, of, of, of the ball. You know, it doesn't, I'm not right. Uh, and it's burned me plenty of times. But I, you know, I think on the other side of the coin, it's probably benefited me maybe just as many times. You know, it's, it's kind of hard. I, I think, man, it's funny. When people bring up pitchers that I, I think might be interesting, I at least have to wonder myself, like, all right, so why, how did I miss this guy? And it's probably like a price thing. You know, around there as I'm scrolling, I know I see a couple names that like I maybe would rather have than J.A. Happ. It also depends what what kind of. I've I'm av- I've avoided him completely. I don't have any shares just because. Yeah, I haven't. I, I can't, I'm I'm amazed at his uh, even this very current ADP. His min of 308 is absurd. You cannot draft him at 308. That's no, I agree. I'm gonna go on a limb and say that's a huge mistake. You know, max <laughs> uh, pick of 485. Now that's kind of a different story because. He's at least lined up to give you innings in a good context, even if the ballpark is not great. Yeah, and a draft champions is really the only format I would ever look at him in. Like if I was yeah. in, a, in, a th- in any sort of league with waiver, the waiver wire, I, he would he would not. I, I would ignore him completely. But he has. I probably would. End, you know, I'm just kind of scrolling past. Personally, I would probably end up with any of the guys right around him, 
um, you know, Roark or Spencer Turnbull. And I'm not really expecting much from any of those guys. But I think I would still take the more. Jordan Montgomery is behind him. I think if I were going to take a stab at a Yankees pitcher, it would probably be Jordan Montgomery before it would be Hap because I think Hap might be washed. Yeah, you know, so That's I, 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 I thought Mayhap might be washed, and I looked at him, and I'm like, no, there's no signs in the in the data that he's washed, but his is is actual like well, age 37. Is, 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 is ERA and ERA and WHIP showing that he's washed or did no. last year? So, um, yeah, that's that, that's some washed up. Those are some potentially washed up pitchers. You know, I, I wanted to mention one thing before we got too far away from it. That's really really important. Um, Zach, when we were talking about individual pitches, right? Yeah. So as information is becoming better, right, it's, it's becoming more detailed, it's becoming more readily available and, and just more accurate. Um, we're getting into individual pitches, and I think some people it's a little bit intimidating, and that's fine. It's new, but it's effective. Uh, so you should try and implement it, but again, kind of like the charts, right? Just implementing it doesn't mean it's going to point you in the right direction. There's something I noticed as someone who's, you know, diving into this now pretty heavily – um, for anybody that's now newly going at it, be careful of pitch descriptions because they can somewhat be subjective, right? It's not a video game where square is a change and X is the fastball. It's not, it's not as objective as that. So I mentioned two resources that I use, right, for individual pitchers. I mentioned Brooks Baseball and I mentioned Alex Chamberlain's Pitch Leaderboard. So I didn't want to have anybody go to these two places and find immediate anomalies. So there are ways to kind of quickly rectify them. You can always line up the numbers, but let me, you know, help everyone out with a little piece of information that other really great industry guys were nice enough to take their personal time and extend to myself. Um, right now I'm actually talking to a, talking about a fellow Brooklyn guy in, in Alex Fast, who if you're not, you know, using his work for pitching. That's another thing that you're doing wrong. Um, he told me that because of the subjective nature, different providers can classify them differently, but oftentimes the same pitches are confused across websites. So that would be your slider and cut fastball, the cutter, and the two-seam fastball and sinker. So those two pairs of pitches are often confused. I don't know if you've happen to come up with this act or if you already know this information but i think it's really really important it's pertinent and it will help you get over a first leap if you say wait a minute the numbers are not adding up if i want to take a usage chart from brooks and transfer it to individual uh pitch efficacy using wobacon or x wobacon or x barrels or xk or one of the like seemingly infinite things that alex chamberlain has bestowed upon us you know uh know that that hurdle exists and it's almost similar to the hard hit accounting. I don't discard any of it, but you must be aware of its differences and try and do the best job possible of incorporating and integrating. That's good. That's an excellent point. And I think we, we discussed that off the, off the air, um, I think previously. And I think that's a really important thing that you brought up. Well, it was making me pull my hair out because I'm so compulsive about making sure my argument doesn't have any you know, stones unturned that the, you know, uh, trolls on the Twitterverse are going to, you know, easily tear me apart over. You know, I just want to make sure I'm being thorough. And that was one of the first things I noticed. And I'm not the type to just go forward with it un unknowingly. You know, I'm not going to do that. And listen, to some people, it's funny, but they, some people really do fall back on, you know, they, they pick the hard hit rate that they like better, you know. 
Well, that's that's just funny you mentioned that because that was one of the things that hard hit rate between Savant or Statcast um, and um, Fangraphs. It, it differs a lot, and you, I think you brought up the I think Bichette was one of the ones one of the examples you brought up before. Yeah, I although you know what's funny, I'm actually glad I'm glad this came up because I I miss I, I improperly framed my feelings about it because I kind of was it was on the fly and I was just looking for an example. Um, he those numbers were correct, and the difference did in fact. Um, exist. But as I get further into the difference in accounting, and again, I would never take anything away from, you know, the venerable fan graphs. Like I, I might have a 1 million clicks at fan graphs last year. I use it incessantly for my, you know, handicapping algorithm. If they but, ever, if they ever uh, made you pay for that, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> well, I, I, I have a subscription there. I'm not, I think you might pay. I think it's a small membership fee to kill the ad. So I think I might have done that. And of course, you know, I want to contribute to anybody. I'm getting pretty close. I think I'm, my, my coffee mug is looking a little banged up. I'm thinking I'm going to go with the fan grants tomorrow. I just, I love to support the people that do, um, you know, all that kind of great work. Uh, yeah. But it, it seems to me like from what I can gather, baseball savant is probably a little more accurate because they use uh, baseball information systems, which seems to like um, a few things I've heard is eliminate pop-ups from fly balls, which is, you know, a, a huge deal and uh, kind of take launch angles and exit velocities and stuff into account. Um, I, I don't know how fan graphs, but I don't know what information fan graphs uses. Like, I, I, I do have an agree, uh, an idea. They have, they do have their own formula, but I believe the hard hit rate is, uh, the hard hit rate, you know, is, is on exit velocity, mostly based on exit velocity. I really wish that I could completely explain the differences. I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten to the point yet um, where I'm able to, because uh, I'm not sure I'm going to explain this right. Each site has guys that are higher and lower. So if it was just exit velocity that baseball information solutions and StackCast were removing, only they, you know, they would be higher all of the time or none of the time, depending on how we're talking about it. But that's not the case. So there definitely is a hiccup that I'm missing. So I think the most important thing for people to understand is that there are two different accounting metrics and they, sh you know, you need um, to know that because there is a reason why they're different. And in, in, in that meantime, you know, there's, I, I did bring up the list and, you know, there's like a couple guys that are fantasy relevant at the top that definitely matter. You know, like if you're using um, Fangraphs accounting for Rafael Devers hard hit rate of 37.7%, which is not very good. His stat cast hard hit rate is 47 and a half, which is tremendous. But why is that a quick scroll over? Because his launch angle Devers I'm talking about is low at 10.3 degrees. So the differences is tied into launch angle also. You understand? Yep. All right. Again, like I said, I wish I, I owe myself and everybody that follows to kind of get all the little things worked out. But in the meantime, as never to, you know, I never want to overplay my understanding or certainly not mislead anybody, you know, just make sure you're, you're looking at both because that, I don't even know what, what kind of bias do you call that when you pick the one you like better stupidity bias, you know, I guess it's not, I guess it's, I guess it's confirmation bias, which could be called stupidity bias, but 
don't pick the one you like better because is I it like self-efficacy bias or something like that? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a term. I just I'm glad now I have the smile on my face because somebody tried not only and I'm I'm not saying that it's wrong to quote one like that's not wrong, especially if you didn't know the difference. Like that's that's fine. Somebody quoted you know um, a hard hit rate, and when I came back with the other one, the answer was like, well, so what? That's not good enough. You understand? It's okay to present a statistic as a part of an argument, at least, but it's not okay to say so what, you know, or like just because. And it's funny. I think it might have actually been Bichette. I think it was. I I refer to. I liked how hard he hit the ball. You know, which was over forty three percent stat cast, and uh, the comeback was it was really terrible. It's like terrible. And he's, uh, you know, he's one of the big ones at the list. His, his fangrass heart is only 32.6. So, you know, that is a pretty, pretty, pretty large um, jump. But again, you know, we can tie it into the launch angles. And stuff. He also, he has the same 10.3 launch angle, but Bichette, his fly ball line drive miles an hour is high, nearly 93 miles an hour. So when he elevates the ball, he does hit it very hard. Right. Self, uh, a self-serving bias is a cognizant, a cognitive or perceptual process that is distorted by the need to maintain an enhanced self-esteem or the tendency to perceive oneself in an overly favorable manner. That's self-efficacy bias. Wow. Okay. So that's great to know. First, I'm glad that you referenced a definition in which is another one. If we're talking strategies, right. And we're trying to help people and teach people. This guy, Zach, just did you all a tremendous favor. (laughs) <laughs> you need you know how many words are misused underused improperly used misrepresented or just completely wrong go get a dictionary when you don't know get the real definition man so thank you zach you know because it's it, we're not only taught me definition but you know hammering home there are objective processes to things you know where that could be another one ah, whatever it, it's some kind of bias whatever you know everything's whatever nowadays nobody cares no one wants to put in the legwork but you know i do you know, and I assure you, right, if you're playing against me, at least one person in the room is doing the work. You know, we, 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 you know what, we might have had some guests on uh, the show that had uh, self-efficacy bias, but I don't know. I don't think you're one of them. I do, I do not. And um, I, I really try and be the the other way around. In fact, if you, if you kind of follow any of my it, – it's funny. It kind of gets me in a little bit of uh, trouble with landmines perhaps because, like, I'll put out breakdowns of players on Twitter. And I've had people say, well, what's kind of what's the conclusion? So now more recently, I've tried to give a little bit of a thought on it. But at first, I don't know, I, I didn't have a conclusion. I was trying to I was trying to come up with a conclusion. You know? That was kind of the point. You know, I don't like, I mean, first of all, you should never, ever, ever go into an endeavor intellectually expecting an outcome or like hoping for an outcome because you're, you might drive your own bias that way and how you frame the data i'm the other way i i if anything i try and convince myself i'm wrong you know that i find is a little more effective right and you know what i'm trying to i'm trying to i'm trying to make the i'm trying to get, um, use the feedback i get from this podcast to make it a better podcast and um one of the things was we jumped right into it this time and uh i didn't even get a Wait, chance let me to- cut you. can i make it better right now I'm, I promise I'm going to make this podcast better if you give me five seconds. Can I have five seconds? You just had it. Hold on. Let me go get him. Let me go get him. Let me go get him. <laughs> All right. Here he is. His first NFBC draft champion podcast appearance. Zach, I would like you to meet Dexter the cat. Dexter, how are you? 
Oh, hey, Dexty. How you doing? Hello. All right, Dexter, get the hell out of here. Can you see everybody's gone? No, Dexter, Dexter you've, been, you've been pumping out such a good, such good contact, of, like the videos. Like you have, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do any videos. So like that's the one thing that Dexter, like I do, I, hats off to you. Hats off you know, to that. You firmly made Dexter. He is a part of the ecosphere here at your podcast. And I think the interaction between you and Mikey is so funny and it's so organic. It is hilarious, man. So you're talking about making your podcast better. Don't eliminate too much of the humor because it, it's really great, man. I think you got to know if you, if you see Mike, Mike Posada, Mike the Mouth, that's a, if he's a guest on this episode, you know that there's going to be a good portion of it that's not going to be fantasy baseball related. Well, it doesn't mean you're not learning, man. I, I find yeah. I learn a lot from uh, – from guys like that. So right? I, I've got a, a lot of my own analysis. So I like to read all of our feedback. And one of the uh, one of our um, reviews from our po- on the podcast said, um, "Glad to have this podcast, but I'm revising my review and adjusting my rating to from five to four stars. I hope Mike Masato is not a regular part of the podcast because he's arrogant and unlistenable." That said, my original review in the next paragraph stands. And this guy's very nice. Like he was very. Um, he was very un- unbiased. And- but who goes back and changes a podcast review? I don't know. This what person, kind of and, but he only he only brought it down from five to four. Just still, what kind of person really? would do such a thing? It's we, I don't know. Fine. All right. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't talk bad about about your your our listeners. But come on, who is it? Just on one guest who, in fact, is funny anyway. Listen, the, you know what? If anything. If that person's out there and listening to this one, if they haven't, you know, tossed you in the train. I think some people, some people just, I, I, I understand something. It's a, it's a long, they're long episodes and some people might just be trying to get some fantasy baseball content in their list. And they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're like, what is this bullshit? And they just stop listening. I get it. I probably yeah, might do it. I think but you're being too nice. There's more they, to the game. Now, the, the, the last one with Mike, with Mike the mouth, did you, you, did you listen to the end about the cat? Because no, I did not get to the end. Okay, okay. So just just because people people were probably people are probably engaged in this episode um, up until now because we've been we've been talking a lot of fantasy baseball. It's been great. It's been really informative so far. But if you but if you did tune out of the Mike the Mouth episode, the second one, I think is episode thirteen. About at the with 10, 15 minutes, probably ten minutes left. Just do yourself a favor and listen to the last ten minutes of that episode. I think it starts at one fifty-three or an hour fifty-three, an hour fifty-six. And John, you should do this too. If, All right. Well, well if, I'm going to go back. Yeah. Go back. No, don't don't even listen to the middle of it. Just listen. <laughs> listen to the end of it. You got Mike talking. You heard that, you heard that but, Mike? You heard but, that? but his the part the part where he starts talking about Dexter the cat. You got to. It's just. It's 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 actually really. Funny. Well, I'm so amped that it actually gets better. I've been digging. You know, just the Twitter interaction. I can't believe it's no, no, the, the Twitter interaction, all the all the Twitter interaction with Dexter the cat. Dexter did beat Mike the Mouth to five hundred to four. I was the four hundredth. I was the four hundredth follower. You should, should get something for that. I felt bad. I felt bad because I, I'm not trying to troll. I'm not trying to troll Mike. But listen, let's be honest. Mike doesn't care. Mike, 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 Mike gets more gets worse than that. Like he, listen, he, the he, content that you know Dexter is the cat is putting out is it is crucial you know, to American culture. I mean, this is, I'm just not going to pass it by for any one human, you know, I'm not going to give that up. No, no. Like, like what's your favorite, what's your favorite piece of content that he's like, he's, ta- he's like watching the kitten bowl. Like no, one, yeah. the, the thing is no one is talking about the kitten bowl. And guess right. what? You, in, in this industry, you got like, do something. I think um, J- I, I was listening to a podcast. I think it was looking to listen to the bases loaded podcast with Krill in it. And he had Jason, Jason uh, uh, from the TGFBI on, and um, he said, 
the key to success is do something, do something that no one else is doing. And that's, that was a great fantasy baseball invitational. No one else did that. And it's been an enormous success for him. So yeah, that was great. Tremendous. That same, yeah. same thing with the kitten bowl. No one else is talking about the kitten bowl, but Dexter, guess what? If I go to his Twitter page, first thing I see. In the market with top notch cat on cat analysis. Come on, come on. Let's get back on track. I don't want to hear anybody saying that they, that they turned me off for a lack of analysis, man. Let's, let's get at this, man. Okay. But like, uh, but, 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 like, but like I was saying, we, 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 we drove, like, well, the whole point of this, and I know we got a little bit off track was saying we, we I dove right back into the analysis, but I did, uh, I, I at least want to take another minute or two to talk about um, what, what you've done in the, like you I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you on air about joining the athletic and um, the amazing uh, new stat that you've um, created or the, I don't even know how to describe it, but um, the, the quality, the quality starts that you've really just revolutionized it. And I love it. So I want like, please, like, I know if you don't want. And- okay. No, 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 no. Let's do, do you want to do you, you? Okay. You want you want to do like a once over on this thing? Listen, I really have to, you know, this is kind of the second phase of it. You know, now that I kind of developed um, this, you know, I, I re-stratified the quality start in essence, listen, just to make it useful for people. It's a total waste. It's irrelevant and it's dumb. It, it really has no, it has no bearing on fantasy. Um, you know, and I hope, I hope that, you know, the, the people that matter, the market makers in this industry kind of hear about this and get into it. Maybe eventually people are actually using it. I, 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 I'm going personally to try and implement it in my own home league, which is a points league, but it, it is, you know, quality start where generally quality starts, you know, receive kind of a disproportionate amount of points. I guess it really depends. We move points from wins to quality start. The idea being that there was no great way to measure a best pitcher on a, you know, per game basis. Right. So from the very beginning, you know, I'm not even going to get too crazy into why quality starts suck. I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me, it tries to cover way too many outcomes, right? Everything from six innings all the way up to nine, and then four different earned run outcomes, zero, one, two, and three. So automatically, there isn't another stat that tries to cover that many different outcomes, which affect everything so much. I mean, the fact that, whatever, slice it however you want, nine innings and you know six and three earned runs are, are considered the same, you know, is kind of ridiculous, right? So I was hoping at first, right, my goal was really two tiers to just kind of make a new quality start uh, metric. I laid out all of the math behind it, you know, uh, in my first article for The Athletic, which, man, it's really been surreal being on board with guys that I've listened to and followed and now kind of, I mean, it's really, it's, it's one of the gold standards in the industry. It's, it's I agree. Honor. That's, that's, really, that's, really, that's really awesome. Like you, like what you've done so quickly, like, like you've been on Twitter for, a year, exactly. a year, like that's, uh, yeah. that's insane. Like I mean, to put it not, in perspective, as much as I love to talk, it's not so much as talking about about myself. I like to talk about my work, you know, because I think it could be helpful. But like, yeah, thank you. Listen, thank you. And the interactions and feedback has been ridiculous. I don't want that to slow me up. Like, I'm trying to have it fuel me. So if I'm not like into this whole self fawning, it's just not my style. Uh, trust me, that wind is getting put in where it belongs in the, in the you know, not in my head, but in behind my sails. So the two tiers um, initially, unfortunately, did not work. Um, long story short, because as you're going through totals and how they translate into wins, it turns out 
guess what, Zach? Breaking news, not giving up runs is good. Okay, a tremendous amount of work done by me to establish that. But it turns out that even something like six innings and no one runs was one of the highest, had one of the highest win conversion percentages on the entire board of outcomes. Because, listen, besides no runs being zero, when a starter goes six earned with no runs, that's generally when you see the front end of the bullpen, right? So I didn't want to punish six innings and no runs, or also one run, but I didn't feel that they belonged in the very top category because given the new nature of changing distance in the starting picture spectrum, you know, it's happening less and less, and now we have the inception of openers. I really wanted to quantify seven inning starts. And as dumb as it sounds, there isn't anything for that. There isn't anything for that at all, even regardless of earned runs. We don't even have a a distance metric. I know some people have used, um, I I think I saw like a distance per start. I kind of use like an OPO, I call it outs per outing, you know, where, you know, you needed 18, obviously. But there wasn't anything to quantify these best starts on a per you know, start basis to overuse the word start, 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 start. Um, so at the top tier, I won't bore you with all of the little minutia kind of maybe that, that went into it. But when I, I really laid out all the math, I found that it kind of made a bit of an intuitive structure. All right, so I'm going to run through it quickly. And you're going to see what I mean about how it's kind of patterned itself. And it's funny when math and reality kind of align here. So I'm going to lay out the tiers and I really hope everyone is going to pick up what I'm putting down. So the top tier, you know, I kind of wanted the catchy name. So it's a, it's a money start, right? So it's a money quality start. Or we could just say, you know, he went out and gave you a money start. So money start is going nine innings with three or less runs, right? To qualify for the original QS. It's eight innings with two or less runs and it's seven innings with one or less run. So you could see how as we move down an inning, you know, we have to be one run better or, you know, conversely, as we, as we have our pitchers throw an extra inning, he can allow one more run, right? So nine up to three, eight to two, seven, one. The middle tier is where that picks off. So that's seven and two, you know, oh, one, two, and then six innings up to one, six, oh, one. So the second tier is seven, oh, one, two. 601. So again, you kind of have this like, if you were to think of it as, you know, on like a spreadsheet, it's kind of making this like triangle, right? We're kind of meeting a point. And then at the end, which is still a quality start by all Major League Baseball metrics, if it was up to me, the remaining starts, which are six innings, you know, six plus, so meaning, you know, six, 6.1, 6.2, allowing two or three earned runs, I would not uh, count as quality starts, I would not reward them um, whatsoever. You know, did you, I, did you I, ever I, consider putting strikeouts into the mix at all? Well, you know what? You mentioned it to me, and I didn't think of it until you did. But I think it's because um, I don't know. I guess I guess I didn't really think of it. But Strike, I, I guess strikeouts are their, their own thing. Oh, oh yeah, I'm not about to argue the importance of strikeouts. I think what I would say to it is that um, you know, I really was just looking for another, you know, kind of piece of the quilt, another part of the tapestry. So it's not like I'm going to the, you know, I'm not going to this list and saying this is how I draft. You know, I was just kind of, now I have a distance metric to go by. And hopefully, you know, to change scoring systems going far, you know, to going ahead. 
Now, you know, I've been known for doing some stat combos. I think, you know, I think you bring up an excellent one because, you know, only a limited amount of people have the keys to that car right now. But yeah, I mean, if we were going to do like, a, if there was going to be a money plus, it would be a money quality start with, let's say, a K per inning. Yeah. You know, meaning you went seven. So, so uh, would, a, would a five run, uh, or would a five inning three run game qualify under anything? No, right? No, well, no, because I but, mean, I started with, uh, I started with the, the baseline quality start as the bare minimum for parameters, you know, being obviously minimum of six innings with no more than three, you know, runs uh, allowed. So I personally, if I'm, I'm in a roto league, I'd rather have, if, if you, if you give me a, if you give me a six inning, one run um, game, um, with three strikeouts, I'd much prefer a five inning, three running, three run game with ten strikeouts. Yeah, well, I mean, because even that, those those, those three runs over five innings aren't—it's not going to like you're, it's only five innings. It's not going to kill your ratios, even though. It's uh, not even, I don't know. I think I got to push back. You added a third. You know, you said three runs. Yeah, three runs. Adding well, adding three three runs on five innings is a busted a busted ratios. Yeah, it's so just like a, what? It's like a five ERA or more than that, maybe. Um, Three runs divided by five. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be higher than five. Yeah, it's gonna be higher than five. Um, so you you busted, and the assumption is that it wasn't five solo home runs and no other runners allowed. So, you know, this, five point four, five point four. Okay, yeah, this this is broken. You know, it's it's a broken ERA and it's a broken WHIP. So I don't think I take that. Listen, if you're, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I, you know, listen, yeah. I, I get that strikeouts. I get that you need strikeouts. Every team, you know, this kind of really whittles down the team construct of what you need and maybe what you need that week. But the point of the work was because again, you know, we get points for positive production in point leagues. You lose points for negative production, and then you kind of get this general reward for the quality start. So I, I felt like especially with those worst baseline quality starts, you know, six and two, six and three point leagues are giving, you know, anywhere between three and seven points, let's say for a quality start. And it's negating all the bad work. It shouldn't wash, you know, it really shouldn't wash it. You know, this is a game about results and not arbitrary parameters. So, you know, not to be some kind of pointed about my own work or kind of touting it a little too heavily, but I feel like now that this work is done, the old quality start system should be widely discarded. You know, I, I've, I've, you know, I validated it. I made the assumption. I validated. I now have my assertion, and I put the strata together in a nice, clean cut way. And I even, you know, scraped all the data myself and put up a full leaderboard. You know, so I don't even know if you're using regular quality starts. Let's say in the next, after 12 months from now, by next season, if this isn't adopted, I think a lot of people are doing a lot of things wrong. You know, there's an industry league right now going on, the Barf League. There's a bunch of really well-known and excellent analysts just, you know. Yeah, I saw that. Mixing it up right now. Okay, that's a QS league. So my point being, even the best players, you know, in the world, the country, the, you know, multiverse, are using this flawed, broken metric, which now – it's pretty much been replaced, okay? I, because I would absolutely toss out that last one, right? So we toss out the last one, and now the baseline quality start is six innings with no more than one run allowed. 
don't you feel at least without, like I said, without getting into the boring numbers, don't you feel that's a little more satisfactory and worthy of that was a good start, six and one. He gave, went out and gave you a good game. Yeah. Yeah, because six, you know, the whole thing is, you know, I, I, I kind of glossed over the beginning of it. Maybe I shouldn't have because I do have some good contextual numbers to attach to it. And obviously, six earned runs. Uh, I'm sorry, six innings pitched with three earned runs. The baseline quality start yields a, a very even and mediocre 4.5 ERA. No one is interested in that. That's like a 50th percentile of all pitchers. No one wants that. It's not desirable. So right off the bat, I mean, that part, that half of the metric is already broken. And I was a little more interested because I didn't quite know how often pitchers went six innings. I know it seems like they do it less and less, but actually uh, it, it's not as bad as you may think. I went back three years to scrape all the data. It turns out to be like just a hair under 15,000 starts. So, that, you know, that's a lot. And the numbers are pretty consistent. They're, they're trending down. However, I would argue we're probably near the floor. Um, it was about 50%, you know, three years ago. Then it was like 48%, and then it went down to like 46.5%. So that kind of has been a decline, but I think some of that is protecting young arms. I think the other part of that is the institution of the opener. Um, point being, a six-inning uh, distance profile is only in the 50th percentile. So we have a 50th percentile earn run profile and a 50th percentile distance profile to describe, you know, gens. It, it, it's totally, it's totally broken. It, it's funny. I, I almost had trouble making the argument for how bad it was because I'm like looking at my computer. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What's wrong with it? What do you mean? Look at the fucking thing. It's been broken. It don't work. And it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's, it's completely like, I don't, I'm never going to use it again. And I guess I could use it as a way to tout my own stuff. Um, now I'm looking at the leaderboard and uh, I'm trying to see here. You want to, I got a couple of here. There's a, there's a couple of interesting numbers on here. You know, when I weed out, right. So let's weed out the worst of the quality starts, right? You're now, giving people a free little taste here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Listen, come have a little taste, you know, lap in the bowl. You let me <laughs> Well, I always say, listen, we got to throw the egg. Is, that, is another uh, Dexter the Kitty reference? Yeah. Listen, I'm just, I'm sliding in. He's sitting here. He's giving me a look from the side. He's scratching at the door. I kind of yell <laughs> at him a little bit. I put him like, you know, a little bit, a little bit. Disrespect him a little bit. <laughs> listen, Dexter, the drinks are on the house, Dexter. Don't worry about it. I got, the milk is on me, kid. <laughs> Zach, you want to see helicopters? I'll show you a fucking helicopter. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but, but let me let me let me get to some of this. Yeah, I'm gonna pull, listen. I'll, I'll show little pieces because I want people to use it. I really want people to use it because I really think. And this goes down to like your average home league player. Like I think this is gonna help you. This is gonna give you some edge. Um, here, let, let me let's look at the the, the the worst quality starts. Right, oftentimes people are always focused on the very highest, the best. You know, who's the best in money quality starts. And yeah, of course, you know, that's something that you want to pay attention to. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing here. But the guys at the top shouldn't really surprise you that much, right? It's Garrett Cole, it's Jacob DeBron, it's Justin Verlander, and then Jack Flaherty. Okay. Well, sometimes the, you know, the mark of a good list is that there's good names at the top of it before it starts getting too interesting, right? Um, you know who was on that list who's right after that? I stopped at the four because it's Mike Miner. So Mike Miner had 11 money starts which is a 34.38% you know, clip. 
more than one third of the time he took the hill, he went a bare minimum of seven innings and one earned run. Yo, you see what I'm talking about? How we can very, very quickly start to quantify these beautiful starts. That's pretty huge. You know, he had 16 quality starts altogether of 32 starts overall, which is a very simple 50% quality start percentage, which could turn you off to it. If you were just looking at quality starts, it kind of puts you off to it. If you're playing best balls or point leagues at all, I mean, I guess I shouldn't discount Roto because, listen, these starts move the needle. You know, I, I kind of wanted to yell at you a little bit when you were talking about five and three. It wasn't that bad. And I obsess over ratios. I don't want to give up any runs because, like I showed you, each run earned just destroys your win conversion percentage. Um, so it's not just the, you know, incoherent, circuitous ramblings of a madman. You know, I'm always trying to, I'm trying to get somewhere. Um, let's look at the bottom of this list now, right? So what players would rank really high on a quality start list that when you pulled the threads on them, didn't give you the quality, you know, the quality of quality starts. And for people that are into naming their own stuff and being cute about it, I was kind of looking for a name for the two top tiers in case people were just wondering who gave them those. If you were trying to score them, let's say you could just, I came up with QQS, which is a quality, quality start, which is not something I'm sure I'm very proud of. But anyway, the bottom list, the top of that list is full of fantasy-relevant names. So to me, that's really something. The league leader in, in bad quality starts, right, the QX minus, was Brett Anderson. Okay, not a huge surprise that of his 17 quality starts, which, you know, is going to happen. He's got a good team. Uh, 12 of those were were, let's call them not quality starts at all, right? So 12 of them weren't. Right after that, the next two guys are extremely interesting because the second player is Clayton Kershaw. Now, he did give you a quality start almost 80% of the time. So some of this is being lost. You know, some of those are lost there. However, it was 11 of those non-quality starts. 11 of his 22 were non-quality starts. So his... Money percentage, you know, which is something that now I hope people are looking at, his money percentage was only 21%, you know, double digits below somebody like Minor. That, yeah, I'm not trying to necessarily compare the two of them, but man, I, I hope that shines a bit of a light on both of them. You know, well, I feel honored you're giving, you're giving them all this information away on the, uh, the listen, the, I, it's the information is there. Well, if people are, are, if you're into it that much, I hope you parlay that into an athletic subscription. Uh, not that I get royalties on it, but if you're really, really interested in where I'm trying to take some of this work, you know, to backpedal, I was so flattered by the athletic coming at me that I kind of said, yo, man, I am going to do stuff I have never done. So, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Yo, that's my, to come, yo, I'll <laughs> give you the info. Um, you want to beat me, you step in the ring, two men enter, one men leave. You, you know about Thunderdome, or you, you, you're too young for Thunderdome? A little bit. I never heard of it. He has the mind of a child. Well, uh, we go into Thunderdome, we strap up some chainsaws on the metal fence, and only one person's coming out. Listen, the information is there. I don't assume that I'm the smartest guy. I'm more likely to assume I'm the dumbest guy. You know, and if I have information, I love to share it because I really do love to help. But I also think it's helping my brand. You know, you were really, really nice. You know, my point how I haven't really been out there that long. So I understand if people feel like I don't have 
a, a long-term kind of reputation, you know, to fall back on. So I'm, I'm trying to let people know in the small time I've been doing this, my, man, that blade is on the, the, the sharpener constantly. You know, I am constantly working towards, you know, making the game better. I want to make our game more fun for us. Okay. I want to help you take your friend's money so you can go on vacation and take pictures of yourself with their money, which is what I like to do, you know, after you win and, and, and win and have fun doing this, man. You know, I'm not, I'm not big into that whole, like, Oh, you know, it's the paywall. Unfortunately, if you want the stuff at the athletic, yeah, you got to go through the paywall. I think there's a lot of great content. Forget mine. I'm batting, you know, I bat ninth in that lineup. So what I take from that is whatever you're doing right now, if you're listening to this podcast right now, if you're on, if you have the podcast app open, close it, open up Twitter. And I'll tell you something, put this in the search bar, M-L-B-M-O-V-I-N-G-A-V-G. And then click follow. Thank you, man. I, it's so, man I'm, I'm not used to it, you know, because I'm the kind, I'm, I'm always working so hard that a lot of times it's for so long that by the time I pick my head up and see what happened, the environment around me has changed. And like, that's kind of what happened. I don't know. People have come out of the woodwork and man, how'd you... How did you parlay that into like, how did you, how did you wind up in the athletic? I'm like, I have no idea. I was working. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I was working, you know? And I, I hope people are really interested, man. I, I hate this whole toot my own horn thing. It's really not my style, but I, I'm, I'm shooting for these goals. You know what I mean? So me and you spoke about this before it, uh, you know, before we went on and I, I hope I'm not getting pegged as arrogant rather than just extremely confident in the work I do because it's a very thin line that can be conflated and it's also somewhat subjective. So I, I, I get, I'm brash, but I'm, I'm confident, you know, I'm out there to win and I'm out there to make money. And I put my account out there and I said, what is something that no one is doing? What am I interested in seeing that is not being done? What if people ask me that I think I can add to this, you know, this biosphere of ridiculously brilliant people? It's intimidating to think I could put. Yeah, the kitten, the kitten bull. Like, how can you compete with that? Yeah, how can, I have no chance, man. I have <laughs> no chance. First of all, the first bowl of milk on the floor, I'm over there drinking. It's over, man. I'm Lap it up. Just eat, give him a taste, just a tip. Well, you know me, I'm going to probably put a little bit of uh, single batch bourbon in that bad boy. Oh, bourbon in your milk. Oh, delicious. Oh, you a bourbon guy, man? You want to go like rates and barrels and do some alcohol stuff? I've done yeah. the uh, I've done the bourbon tours in Kentucky. I love bourbon. I love bourbon rye. That's my, that's my drink. Oh, me too. Oh, man. If I'm ever up in Moose Country, we're going to go get a couple of drinks. Hey, anytime, but, you're, anytime you're up in Toronto and you tell me a game, I'll, I'll take well, you, you actually, I'll take you to a J game anytime you, you want. Mentioned, you, you might be in my neck of the woods uh, for uh, for some NFBC stuff, no? Yeah. MTM's um, really um, really buttering me up and massaging my massaging my back to come man, to. Uh, have to you, you wouldn't believe the stuff he tells me off the air to try to get me down to New York. For I gotta, man, I got to I can't, I can't even say, I can't even talk about it. Some of the people I think may be listening to this. And if I can get down to the bar for that, I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to bring a G note because I promised a lot of drinks and I've never made a promise, you know, that I didn't keep. And there's hey, a lot of content. If, if I'm down there, we, we got to We got to meet up. with them. Dude, There's a lot of creators out there that have helped me. And let me tell you, man, I appreciate your time. If you're listening to this and especially if you helped me get, you know, my account and this brand or it was, I have not forgotten. I am going to get you back. Yeah, man, this is shaping up. Like, man, I, I may have to go. I'm telling you, I, maybe this is a good, uh, maybe this is a good uh, kind of pitch for it, a good initial pitch. I, I'm not going to be playing this year, but I, I may be around. Maybe I can get a spot like emceeing this thing. You know, I can keep the energy level up the entire day, man. I'll emcee the whole fucking thing. I'll throw your hat in the ring for sure, but I have Let's no, I have, I have no, I have no, I have no, I have no say. Too.
John. John, do you use projections? Oh, good, 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 good way to get back on track. Yes. If you do not use projections, you are not as good at fantasy baseball as I am. But if you only use projections, you're also not as good at fantasy baseball as I am. Because it's it's a tool. You know, I said before, it sounds corny. It's part of the tapestry. And you know what's funny, man? You bring up a point I really, really, really want to hammer home. I really want to hammer home. Regardless of your personal feelings about them, which I understand range from they're extremely accurate to they are insanely stupid and a waste of time. That is irrelevant. The fact is this. People use them and they drive the market. So whether or not you allow them to drive your own draft costs, you must be aware of them because it will inevitably affect your perception of value. Okay, that's the best way that I could put that out there, how I feel about projections without... Man, it sucks. Every time that conversation happens on Twitter, man, I guess now maybe maybe I can pull out the athletic badge and be like, I want to contribute to this conversation. I never want to kind of throw my hat in the ring with something that I, I you know, I feel like maybe I'm out of my lane on because the guys that do it are brilliant. I'm not telling, I'm not going to tell any of these projection guys that don't know what they're talking about. But imagine, imagine me having the balls tell Derek Carty he's stupid. You know, that's <laughs> ridiculous. It's not happening. But, but, but. You know, we must, we must pursue our opinions, you know, to their conclusions. And, you know, for me, my biggest beef is it's just that they're too conservative. It's too conservative because as, as great of a tool as they are and as, as essential, you know, like I'm saying, don't, don't think I discard them. They're critical in understanding team balance, right? Statistical balance, categorical balance is really what I mean. They're critical. So do not discard them. In fact, make sure you implement them for that. However, none of them, none of them go bold at all. So if we're, I'm trying to win a league, and more particularly, if I'm in NFBC and trying to win an overall, it becomes difficult for me to use projections because there are no 48 home runs. Well, maybe there is. I actually think there might be one, and I think it's Stanton, which is funny because – the one thing they're probably being insanely bold with is playing time, which is so crucial and also the most harder to predict. Yeah, I agree. I think the, st- the Stanton projection, I just can't I – just, I just won't draft Stanton. That's well, listen, if he gets a full complement of playing time, the guy will be among the leaders in home runs. This is not anything crazy, right? He's going to play in all those great ballparks all year round, and he is a monster at the dish. It's hard to put him in for the 600 PAs it's going to take – to get there, you know, the flip side of that, there are a lot of power guys that if you're a projector, uh, it becomes very safe to put them in for 28 home runs. Everybody hits 28, 28 home runs, 31 home runs, 32 home runs. I, I, I'm looking for the 30 projection that's going to give me 45. So when I'm doing the new math, it gets further and further away from the math of the projections. And I think that's what I'm getting at that. It's, I have two things kind of simultaneously going on. The current reality with my own expectations as I try and match them with projections, which I probably use more the deeper I fall into drafts as I feel like, again, they do great work. 
you know, they've put more time into individuals than perhaps I have later in drafts. When it comes to the top 40, I'm probably going to take my own analysis. And it's no knock on Steamer, who I quote daily. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Because I, I, I don't want to come off, like, dismissive of them. You know, this is a, a, a foundational element of fantasy baseball analysis. So, in conclusion, we're talking about projections. What's what, in in one sentence or two sentences? What what's what are your sum up your thoughts? Like, okay. are they, they, you, go ahead. In one sentence, I would say that I can't say anything in one sentence. Okay. So you, now, no, I think I think I I think I really got what I wanted to to get out. Is that use them? Don't obsess, but don't don't ignore. But if you are ignoring. I'm not saying you need to all of a sudden become some kind of, uh, you know, sycophantic lick spittle for projections. Try doing a roto draft with it next to you. It's it probably going to help, especially in terms of average, you know, where, again, it's very easy for us to make these intuitive um, projections at stall bases. I think he's going to steal a dozen. I think he's going to hit 28 home runs. You know, a lot of guys fall in that neighborhood. Batting average is probably has a bit more nuance to it. And I want the people that have put the extra work into it. Right. I think, I think building like building your team around the ADP and getting those scarce categories positions and building that road, like how you're going to de design your team is more important than the projections, because I think projections, if you build your team well in, ter in terms of having a balanced team, I think you can have a pretty high margin of error for the pro of those projections. And, they, and they, they inherently do. They're going to be wrong. Yeah, I, mean, always... I think they're going to help steer you in the right direction I would love to, you know, toss it up with someone that does these things and ask them how they may approach it, which is funny. I didn't even mean to segue into my own selfish tease here, but we, uh, Matt Williams and I are going to have Derek Hardy on the Turn 2 podcast. Um, and I think that's going to be the one thing I'm really going to have to ask him. Derek, right, or, or random brilliant person, how do you adjust – your usage of projections when trying to win an overall as compared to a single, right? I think that's a really, I'm not sure anybody's tackled that as far as I'm, I'm sure, but the best I have for that answer is uh, they become kind of hard to use because, you know, uh, no one, like I said, no one's putting in for, no one's putting in for, you know, 40 home runs really. There's very few guys when in reality, there's probably gonna be a bunch of them this year, you know, no, I don't think anyone's hitting 70, but we've had so many 35 to 40 guys, especially if they bring the ball back and guys think they found something they can capitalize on. You know, like, here, here's, here's, a, here's a good one. I have a good one because there's someone I thought of on the top of my head. Right, so uh, I'm going to play a breakdown on him. Feel free to check it out on Twitter. Um, I like Crush Davis a lot, apparently. I, I think I'm way in front of the market on him, I guess. Uh, and Steamer, you know, in their projections, depth charts, ATC, blah, 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 everybody's between 36 and 38. I think if there's a bouncy ball, he's the same 45 to 48 guy that he was beforehand, especially with the, the timing of his injury being so closely related to drop in production. It almost seemed obvious. I happened to be watching when he hit the wall. It's so funny. You're like, oh, man, my UT guy's in the field. He's going to get some eligibility. And then, you know, the first pop-up, the guy rams his fucking hip into the wall. He's done. You know, and listen, he's a gamer. He tried to push it. But, uh, you know, for fantasy players, don't always wish that your guy stays on the field. He probably would have been better served 
taking yeah. a month off and then maybe coming back to slug. But yeah, he's a guy again. I don't think they shortchanged him. But what are they right? What are they supposed to do? What are they supposed to do? Thirty-eight home runs is pretty fat, you know, nice big fat amount. But I'm trying to win the overall, you know, and you have to be more risky with your projections and your builds as you're doing that. I mean, that only seems intuitive. Maybe Derek or one of those guys would correct me. I'm 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 more than open, and I'd be glad to change my mind. I actually said this to you before. Uh, the show also, you know, rather than try and confirm my own understandings, I'm more into having my mind change because that most certainly means I learned something. All right, let's let's end let's end off the show, and this is not gonna it's not gonna this might take um, a couple minutes, but we we uh, we were talking a little bit about the back end of draft champions. League. Oh, my favorite, yes. Yeah, I love it. You know, this is my favorite oh, segment. My of the show. Favorite. I, uh, Let me tell you, Zach. I hope not only you you better preface that with not only is it your favorite which I can't speak for. You are excellent at it, which I will very much speak for. Um, this is a, a topic uh, because it's very broad. So there's so much to tackle. I love it. You're like, you're my, one of my go-to guys right now, man. So don't slack it. You know, you're, you're killing it right now. Yeah. No one, I, I always listen. I want to, this is what I always want to hear. I want to hear uh, who are those late round sleepers because everyone talks about the top, the rankings and everything like that. Um, one guy I want to get into right away. Um, and I've had conversations on Twitter with a couple people. Um, hyping this, this player. His ADP is 533. And I just recently looked at ground ball rate and ground ball rate as uh, in relation to the, ex the exit velocity and um, the percentage of ground balls that uh, become hits. So the, 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 the ground balls that become hits always have a higher exit velocity than the average ex exit velocity for all ground balls. And that's, um, that's logical. Um, what I did find... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's intuitive. I feel like this. I feel like there's probably some kind of arch, like there's probably some kind of like Gaussian bell curve, right? That if it's actually hit really softly, it might be good for you because it's hard to field and throw. That's and what, that's that's what somebody brought up. That, that somebody brought up that point. They're like, we don't know if they're going to get more hits on soft contact because yeah, they can beat out. Um, right, but maybe the majority of them. But maybe the majority of them compensate for the few anomalies, which I, I totally understand. I was just yeah, saying. it's intuitive. Yes. So then I, I took it a step further and I said, okay, um, what what is the percentage of um, ground balls that became hits? And that ranged anywhere between around roughly fifteen percent to forty percent. Um, and then I looked at that and I, and I did a scatter graph and I plotted the, the R squared for that. Uh, and I took the average exit velocity of all ground balls and the percentage of ground balls that became hits and they were completely uncorrelated. It was like a 0 0.06 R squared. So anything, uh, basically under 50%, you can say, yeah, you are way off. You're way off. Of you're, that. You're, it's, it's not correlated, but it's, it's sort of like a conflicting, conflicting information because you know, one, they're not correlated. But two, each, yeah, it's, it depends. You know, I think I think the speed, the first, and the quality of the defense vary so differently in each particular event that it yeah. might just add so much noise. It becomes hard to kind of pin. It's down. hard. It's a lot of noise, and you know what? I, I I eyeballed it, and I didn't see any particular team that stood out like tops or bottom in terms of them getting hits. Like like I, I'm like the first thing I thought of like one of the, somebody's team has really excellent infield defense, but that didn't seem to be the case. So what I did. What I did take a – my hypothesis was that anyone that had a high percentage of hits on ground balls who had a low exit velocity overall was getting unlucky. And what I did find was – and, you know, this, this, there's other reasons to like this player, but um, 
Eliezer Hernandez had the lowest exit velocity on ground balls. I know he doesn't really throw hard and doesn't get up. I think his swinging strike rate is around 11%. Um, uh, but he was also on the, like, I'll call it fake unlucky because I don't even know if you can draw any conclusions to that. But that's one player that he's going late enough that he should have a starting gig. He, he might, I think he has value anyways, but it just gave me some reason for optimism. Uh, you're killing me, Smalls, because, you know, it's just funny. This is something else we talked about during a very productive conversation beforehand. Um, and you you were so nice about, you know, us, we were talking about moving the markets. So I, while you were making all those great points and I was looking sadder and sadder, <laughs> um, I'm back to my Twitter machine. I am back to January 4th of 2020, where I was looking at, Eliezer Hernandez, whose ADP at the time was 6.05. Oh, fuck. And uh, it was, let's see here. So, because it's a tweet, I don't want to, I don't want to tease, uh, you know, an article I have with late guys coming out and people I like, wink. Uh, but let's see. So, in this tweet, it says, he was, he was actually not projected to start at the time. I had a feeling he was going to get the five spot. Right now, roster resource. Oh, I don't want to tangent on that, man. What a great addition you made to the show. Oh, um, he was awesome. Oh, um, oh, it was awesome. That was really, really, really good. Uh, uh, whatever. We're going to have to come back to that another time. So, yeah, the, the ERA was a bit high. The peripherals were not great. And the Babbitt was low. You know, so, like, I was hoping that as I was pulling threads on him and there were things I was finding I really liked, I was hoping that would totally suppress his price you know, tossing the, the Marlins hate. And I thought I was like sitting pretty on a guy I was going to have on every single team. But, you know, the uh, the 503 was backed up with the 391 X slug, the 330 Woba backed up by a 290 X Woba. Man, you know, it, he a lot of fly balls, which of course is it's kind of scary, but, but the hard hit rate is really great and the soft hit rate is really great. So he's got some contact stuff that I really like. And, uh, man, I was really digging him. You know, where, where's – I'm afraid to even look where he is now. I know for a I fact – I said for 533 and 8. Oh, is that what you're 530? You know what? Yeah, let me – I hope – I don't know if people heard me scoffing because I, I did. Um, okay, I'm, I have one. I have one draft champion up. This was from earlier on where I got him at, let's see, 30 – Jesus, that's 35. So 35 and 15. He – yeah, he. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess he was in the mid five hundreds, and that was earlier this month. So I guess he took off from the six hundred. I guess with anyone, I did one yesterday. I want to say or Friday night, and he went a lot higher. I think he went a hundred picks higher than that. So whether or not it's me moving the market or not. Oh my god! The fact is that the markets are moving, right? I don't, whether or not I get credit for it, you know that in two seventy five will get you on the bus here in New York. So you know what? You know what? I'm in the middle of a draft champions right now. Uh, do you know where he went? He went at pick 460. Oh, goodness. See, now that's an issue for me. That's an issue for me. Yeah, I wouldn't take him that high. But. No. Oh, man. Where, you know, I got to get better with the. Uh... 460. So, 460. What's that? That's like round. I guess it's like round 30, right? 30 times 15, 12. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Figure round 30. Oh, uh, you know what? Oh, I'm looking at Mike. Same thing. That's exactly that's exactly where he went. Again, so you see where I was talking about recency with. Uh, well, yeah. If he's going 533 on average, and he his ADP was like 600 before, then he must be going like below the 500 mark. Right, but you. Yeah. But uh, what's great is we're making um, kind of uh, putting a nice like a spotlight on on how these things work and how ADP is inefficient 
at its core for like by almost like by definition it's like it's inherently inaccurate right even if you're playing with the time frames unless until we hit a point and again this is going back into trading stuff until we hit a point where there's enough volume to you know properly you know set up our time parameters for being so recent you need all of that stuff like i would actually i wish there was a last five now that i think about it like i actually i don't I don't want to bug Greg and think I can improve on this awesome product, but I would like a last five because next to his, you know, five fifty ADP or whatever, the last five might say four fifty-five. The last five contests. Yeah, yeah. If you had a last five, right, an L five, right, just on the last five draft champions or whatever, right. It, and then if I could expand even further and just give you an idea, this is how my ridiculous mind kind of works. So give me an ADP, give me a last five. Then allow me to, you know, sort and, and do a difference, right? And that will give you an amazing idea Trevor. immediately at risers and fallers, at instant risers, you know, the, the real big risers and fallers against the market. Some people point them out, but, man, I'm feeling really good or am I feeling really bad? I guess it depends at, at you know, all of these all of these late five, 600 players that I did an entire thread on, again – it's so douchey to quote your own Twitter feed, but listen, you were talking about it. it's there. It's a re- you know, it's a reference point. If people are not aware of my work, like, yo, man, there's so much good freak stuff there. Like, it's it's cool. Oh, it's amazing. A lot of those guys, if not, man, they're all God. They're all moving up, 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 up. It's kind of, I mean, it's weird. It's good in a way, right? Because it, it's showing that you're demonstrating a degree of closing line value, right, against the market. You're ahead of the market, to be simply put it. You're ahead of the market. John, what you you just described there, the the last five, you're true to your brand because that essentially, if I had to describe it, that would be NFBC moving average. That's it. Okay. See, not – man, did we just become best friends? (laughs) The the stepbrothers emoji? If you want to go do karate in the basement. (laughs) We are best friends, man. You know, that's the truth. That is the truth, and this is what I'm talking about when we talk about technical analysis. ADP is one point on a graph. It lacks contest, uh, contest. It lacks context. You need to know recent moves because, and as those, like, right, so as you're plotting these different time frames, lines begin to cross. Those crossing lines can determine trend indication. So it's part of the tool bag that I use, let's say, to keep in front of the market. You know, especially now, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be a, a bit of a market maker, which, you know, is, listen, is flattering. It means enough people are into your work that they're following you, which is gonna affect draft prices. That I have to know, you know, which means that I can't be wishy-washy. I have to be even more confident and more carefully toe that line with arrogance because, man, you and I spoke about this the first time around, and I'm kicking myself. I thought I was Mr. Conservative. I was playing it smart, and I was staying away from draft champions early around Thanksgiving because I didn't think there was enough data to gauge relievers. Now, however, you know, true that may be when we're talking about the overall between you and me and Aaron, me, you and the walls here in the podcast, Mike, I think I left a lot of money on the table because, yeah, it may, they may not have been overall winners, but I think I left a lot of league winners on the table because, 
this is crazy. I, I need an entire new crop of players after 500 because stupid me put them all on Twitter, and now they're not 500 anymore. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a problem. It can't, like I said, I, I, I uh, man. It's not, only, it's, only, it's not only you that's doing it. Everyone's, it's like, we're, it's like we're in a pool, and everyone's just making the waves in different directions, and it, it, it really impacts things. Like Vlad, like I, I would say that yourself, MLB Moving Average, is one of the people that you must follow for these like player blurbs for these late rounds because these, these late rounds are very – they're not – well, are they dart throws? I don't know. Um, oh, 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 oh. Stop. You stop. Stop. <laughs> If you are throwing darts, you will lose. You are going to lose to me. I'm going to beat you. There, there is no such thing as a dart throw. Oh, my goodness, particularly where uh, even analysts, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not calling anybody out. If you're using the term dart throw for a pick in the 300s, you are going to lose to me. You, 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 that I, is I, amazing. How could you win? I don't understand how you could possibly win. There is still so much production and so much value. And I think people forget just what a war of attrition. You know, I'm, we're referring to draft champions, really. You know, um, What a war of attrition the back end of these drafts are, right? There's 50 slots. There are 22 starters. Okay, my math is not the best. But that's just over one player um, worth of replacement, right? Right. So it's two and a half. I guess it's two. No, fifty. Wait, fifty. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. It's like two and a quarter. I didn't want to. I hate being wrong all the time. So there's only one and a quarter bodies to fill, right? Because the first one is your is the starter. How are you throwing? What is a dart? What does it even mean? I'm throwing a dart. Does the person have a pathway to playing time? Did the guy play last year? Is he on the forty man roster? Is he in the starting lineup? Is he injured? Is he a prospect? What level is he in? Okay, right there, that's like seven you know, boxes to check. So maybe we're just using the term dart throw differently, me and the dart throwers. If I check seven boxes, for me, it's no longer a dart throw. It's more of an inference because it's based on you know, an educated guess here. So I invite all dart throwers to join in all of my draft champions leagues because there is not a single pick that I put in the garbage. There is no- we, we should make a league called the Dart League. And just dart, let's go. Yeah, I, I, I'll probably lose. Um, yeah, I'm looking now at, let's see, where is, is I want to just be good with the timing. So this is my most recent draft champion league that you actually played, right? So there's one shark in the water with you, and then, uh, you know, Matty Modico was in the waters too, so there's you know, another. Yeah, that was, that was a tough one. I didn't like well, that. I was, on, I was at 15. And he was at two. So it was like, all right, you know nothing good is coming back on a swing. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not happening at all. But, hey, listen, man, you're going to play, uh, like I said, you got to, you know, come at me, bro. As much as I love, I have loved and respected Matt's work for literally four years. I'm not sure if he's done any audio. I have not heard. You know, that being said, I mean to defeat he has, him. He has a podcast I mean now that, that he's done. You know, I mean to beat him. I mean, I, you know, that He's a great player, and there's a lot of great players. Maybe I'm a great player in the making. Maybe I'm not a great player at all. But there's one way to find out. We're gonna, you know, get in the ring, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna figure it out one way or another. And I'm looking at the back end of of my draft, and even all the way to the very, very back, I really don't waste picks. You know, I, I don't have, I don't feel like I have any dart throws. You know, the names you might not know, 
are tied to relievers, you know, which is another one I think, um, man, we spoke about the Monopoly board uh, last time. Um, I would love to, you know, hash that out with people that, that argue with me. I don't, I don't see the value um, in trying to grab your closers all from like random teams because I feel like then you need a lot more to happen for you than I like to plant my flag in an early closer and then make sure that I get whoever might correlate with him as far as saves go in the event of injury. And just go fucking bananas when somebody takes your backup. Oh, man, it, burnt, it hurt. But that's that. if you have my strategy, that becomes critical to try and properly gauge um, where those guys are going to go. And, man, I, it, that has shocked me, believe it or not. I have, I have actually wound up with Keone Kella on quite a few teams. And I think it's just because, you know, he, he's one of the last available opportunities for saves. And I like to have three, I think, to compete for the overall. I think you need three closers. It's, I think it's going to be hard with two. I think you could win a standalone league. I think it's hard to win an overall. I think you need three. Like, Side, sidebar, do you find that it, um, uh, playing three closers at a time in any given week gives you a disadvantage getting those counting stats for wins and, and uh, strikeouts from, like, you're, because now you're playing six starters instead of seven? All right. Well, I do. I have an I have an actual answer for this, and it's that generally, generally, if you have three closers, particularly myself, because I'm not going to go three early closers. So, my, you know, my assumptions here is is that the third closer is not very probably not very good, or at least he's not on a very good team. So I'm going to probably cherry pick the weeks that I play them. You know. Um, I see. I got you. Yeah, I'm quite like I'm a I'm really big into Survivor also. Like I really play everything. Everything baseball. I have dumped all other sports to make money at baseball twelve years, twelve months a year. Well, there's so, probably the most market inefficiencies in baseball because it's the, it's the most it's the most compl- complex sport. What's that? For, for oh yeah, oh, baseball. I thought you were talking about Survivor when I mentioned Survivor. But like so when you you know, you play a lot of Survivor, yeah, and you know, I'm betting, so I'm constantly focused on wins and losses where I found as a fantasy player that can kind of go out the window and who kind of cares. You, you know, if you got to save the team one, but aside that, uh, fantasy sports are funny like that, right? You almost losing is kind of good. You know, right. If you're losing in baseball, like you're losing bad, you have a better chance of seeing the very back end of the bullpen and then letting that guy give up five or six runs, you know? So winning is another element, you know, in this, Right. So when I when I'm looking at the the back end, these like rounds, I guess thirty five. I, I I'm even I'm not even considering around thirty to thirty four because I'm still I'm still I still have like legit targets at that range. But, I'm with you absolutely. But thirty five to fifty, I'm looking for a couple of things. I'm I'm looking to use scarce information like this, like sort of like if you compare it to the stock market, information that a lot of people don't have, and that's what I'll use to target certain players. I'll be looking to handcuff, like we're talking about. If I have a closer, I want to get the backup, or even not closers, any other position. Then there's also the considerations to, to get volume, like get your guys like Josh Reddick or Brian Dozier. So you want to look at that as well. And also you want to combat that with getting upside. But the other thing that I wanted to really talk about is you wanted to look, so a lot of people do their projections and going back to projections, they do the projections and once they fill out their starting roster of 23 players are done. No, no, no. What I do is I want to look at, uh, I want to look at uh, my reserve rounds and fill my deficiencies. So I look at where am I weak? Where am I weak at a certain position? Am I weak at a certain stat? And given how much stolen bases are getting pushed up, like you look at Tatis going in the first round, you look at where Ramon Lariano is going, you look at where um, um, Mercado and you look at Robles, everything's getting pushed up. But when you get to the reserves round, I've got a guy in round 40 and he is going to steal 
a ton of bases. All these guys aren't assured any playing time. He's not a starter right now, but he's in a steel basis. So why aren't stolen bases getting pushed up in these reserve rounds? Reserve rounds. I don't even want to say the guy's name because I don't want to push up. For us. <laughs> Should we, I'll, I actually, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you afterwards. Oh, I know who you're talking about, and it's I got, a, I got him in round forty right now. Who, who, the bust, it is an, it is a. Um, there's a couple of those, and it's funny, uh, Zach. I kind of find I am always getting them unless yeah. you're in the unless you're in the draft room with me, and I don't. I, I wonder, don't know. I wonder who got it, the guy that you're talking about in the draft. How about oh, can I? Can, how about how about we keep one close to the vest? Let's get a couple more draft champions in first. Yeah. And, uh, let me. How about the one that I mentioned to you um, that you hadn't heard of, right? Right. So, okay. I okay. again, that's kind of man. I, I was telling Zach before, and I have. I was like almost embarrassed to say it. You know, the, the things I was doing to try and mine. You know, for for like you're saying deficiencies, just put it perfect at the back end, right? You're looking for ways to fill the holes that you can foresee happening. So one thing that I was looking for that was set really, man, it takes you on some funny Google search uh, rabbit holes kind of. But I was looking for training camp invites, right? So that's a that's a good one, right? I might have a playing path that other people don't know about. And the other one I was looking for is uh, you know stolen bases in in, in the minor leagues. It's really, man, it's really tough. It's really tough. So I kind of came up with one. This guy, you're, you get him all the way, all the way, all the way at the end of drafts. I honestly don't even know. I honestly don't even know where he's going. Hold on. I have like a quick, I have like a quick search. Yeah, his ADP is like 760. So he's basically off the board, which again, you know, which is we're kind of looking for, right? And he plays, I think, shortstop in the White Sox system, Danny Mendick. And I was looking into him, and, you know, he kind of, he, Played a full season at Triple A ball last year. He's been in Triple A, so he's kind of got a little bit of seasoning. You know, he's 26 years old, so we're still in that kind of ripe, you know, kind of prime age thing. And he's been good for you know at least 20 bags the last couple of years. And I don't know if I said this on, on your show, but for me, and it's it's somewhat arbitrary, and it kind of goes to those easy mental projections that I was talking about before. But 20 stolen bases for me is not something that's circumstantial. You know, I can even rationalize down like a 12 where 12 was, you know, a circumstantial 12 could be like a projected seven or six, you know, where if you were banging on 12, they're getting six, like, oh, that's not something you're looking for. A guy that steals 20 bases, especially more than one, you know, more than one year consecutively, to me, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a skill, you know, it, it might be multiple skills at once. So he was somebody I was looking for, and I now I'm attacking him on my list of, my guys at the very, very, very end. Because like we were saying before, I need a new crop of 600 draft pit. You know, guys in the 600, it's not easy. Yeah, same here. Like, I'm not getting Alex Cobb anymore. I just oh, I've got the very last. Oh, oh man. Eno mentioned Alex Cobb. I thought of you immediately. Um, What I wanted to say, though, I forgot to, to couple with, with Mendick is the path right now is blocked. I mean, as probably going to be a common thread through most people found after the 700s, right? I mean, you know, that's not anything crazy. However... The White Sox seem to really be going after it. You know, he's he's on the major league team right now. He does have options, which is something else I look for, which, I mean, doesn't dictate everything. Sometimes seeing no options is a bright thing. He does, so I guess he could end up down. Right now, he's – Mendick is the backup infielder. You know, he's the backup middle infielder. And if uh, – I don't even know if something happened to even Lurie Garcia or Tim Anderson – I think, you know, it's not even a call-up we're waiting for. He's on the bench waiting, and you could get 20 steal potential in a potent lineup, and he'd probably be batting last right in front of the turnover. 
So for a 700 pick, he kind of checks all the boxes for me. I'd never heard of him, to be honest. So, uh, well, uh, that's man. But, that's all I can say. You haven't heard of him, you know. That's how no. that's how deep we're diving, man. But that's what no, I'm never about. heard of him. That's uh, now now he's on my radar. So I, he's, I, I, on I, the, he's on the radar. I officially yeah. radar him. Well, let's see. Let's see. I want to I want to look at his ADP right now. Well, I, not, I didn't want to start combing, so I went through Fantrax HQ that has like a you know they have like a simple search, and yeah. Fantrax had him at seven sixty. So I'm look, also, I'm look, bright spot is um. He he plays, you know. I think he plays both because he's. I see him listed in one place as a shortstop and another place as a second baseman, which would also explain why he's the only other middle infielder on the major league roster, which gives him two paths to playing time. Now I don't think he would step into the front of the lineup for Anderson, but either way, either way, I think he's looking at a you know a, a nine hole spot. He has been drafted in about 40 percent of these draft champion leagues. So he's been drafted in forty leagues, and there's been one hundred and five drafts. Wow! To me, that's impressive because anything short of a hundred percent means you're forgotten, right? Or, I mean, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Most, most everybody with a pulse, or even a a hypothetical path to playing time, um, is being you know is being drafted. I mean, it's funny guys that don't fit that. Are being drafted, but there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of inefficiencies here. Like I'm just I'm just combing through it. I see Michael King. He could be winning the the fifth spot on your team, right? On the Yankees. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned he's, that. He's, in, he's on twelve. He's on twelve. He's on twelve teams out of 105. I'm a little unprepared. I went the see. I went with the my gut when I was filling in the back, and I have uh. I thought they're gonna end up with Lo Losiga. Losiga. Yeah. No, I, I think so too. But I'm saying that he he has a chance, but he's only on 12 teams. Yeah, listen, uh, you know, Sessa. But I guess, got a but I guess the Paxton injury is new, so. Sessa got a couple shots, and then they kind of came out and said it was going to be uh, Jordan Montgomery. So then, you know, him he overnight he flew. You know, Sessa's Sessa's on 20 of the 105 teams. Yeah, I, I don't. You know what? I thought he was going to be a little better than he was. I, if I remember correctly, he's had some really impressive stints in the minor leagues, and it just hasn't translated. But again, the Yankees. Uh, you know, the Yankees are not a place that you want to be fishing for late, you know, rotation innings, in my opinion, at least, because they're very comfortable with those uh, utility kind of primary guys, and they have an excellent, excellent bullpen. They keep kind of manufacturing guys. So, you know, Montgomery, I guess, is the guy now. It might be Losaiga. You know, gun to my head, neither one of those guys is probably worth a damn either, you know. They, yeah, like I said, the Yankees pretty much – seem like they're being managed by a computer and i don't think the computer cares about my fantasy team is that cheating using a computer to manage (laughs) electronics you know again i thought i'm not avoiding it because it's my squad but i was also not i don't know i'm not that shocked by the astros i mean the giants got caught the new york giants got caught essentially doing the same exact thing in 1951 so (laughs) I mean, literally the same exact thing. They ran a buzzer wire from the dugout phone to the bullpen phone, and the backup catcher was using binoculars. So, I mean, think about, you know, the leaps in technology between 51 and, you know, 2020. And they were probably – in fact, this is probably an insult to the Astros. Those Giants – were technologically, you know, light years ahead of their time, where the Astros are banging on trash cans. <laughs> That's hilarious. They're disgusting. I hate them. Astros? 
Uh, I just hate, I just hate everything. I hate cheaters. You know, I, we put, you know, listen, man, we put our love, we put our heart and our money into these things. You know, I got two young kids. Now my, my daughter is starting to watch sports. She's into the Jets and the Yankees like dad. My little guy's only one, but his entire room is filled with Yankee memorabilia. I got autographs through the decades and stuff. And it, it just kills me to think like, you know, you guys, come on. You got the best players in the world, the most gifted. You know, you guys are all so lucky. You make all this money. You bring people together. You're having so much fun. And to think you're like cheating on that level to me is just despicable. It really is despicable. So I'm looking also at this draft, uh, the ADP board, and I'm, I couldn't help myself but to look at these late run guys. Uh, yeah. Br- Brandon Bailey. Okay, I keep talking about. I keep talking about him. He has been drafted on 34 of the 105 teams. Then I searched how many teams has he been drafted on since the, um, January 20th, and there's been 20 teams drafted since January 20th. And you're saying that we don't influence, or you're saying we do influence uh, ADP. Well, yeah, I think maybe guess, I understand how much. We guess, guess because he was on 30 overall, including the recent um, drafts. He's been on 34 of 105 NFBC draft champions teams. Is there a reason? Now you want to educate me? I'm, I listen. I do not mind. Uh, shining a light on my own ignorance and blind spots. Um, I, I never even heard of him before. Are they talking about him as a possibility for the back end? Yeah, because he's, he, was, he was a rule five pick from Houston. So the, 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 the thing is, if he doesn't, if they don't keep him on the 40 man, he gets to return back to Houston. Baltimore shit. Oh, I've seen, you know what? Shame on me because that name has been on the roster research page for quite a while. Shame on me. Yeah, it's, it's on the roster research yeah, page. Shame on me. So, so there's been 20 drafts since um, January 20th. So the last, I'd say three or four weeks. Guess how many teams he's been drafted on out of 20? Well, now I bet, I mean, it's probably most of them, right? It's probably most of them. Is it half of them? 20. Out of how many? 20. Oh, my goodness. What? And then, oh, right. Well, they, you know what's funny? I should have, I should have backed up my own, my own assertion before when I was saying anybody with a pulse, it's 100% ownership. So that goes to show you how far down Mendick is. Oh, now we have to uh, timestamp this. Okay, so as of February 9th, Mendick was all the way back at 760. Zach, let's see what kind of clout we have, man. Right? We pushing this guy up or what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to do the same thing. Since uh, January 20th, uh, out of the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, right. uh, Let's see. Okay, if- okay, he's 8 of 20 since... But now but now, now is his day one. Right, correct. Now is Mendix ground zero. <laughs> exactly. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I mean, I could tell you which drafts he, uh, he will be drafted in, and those are the ones I'm in, you know? Well, you're getting him like late, like probably round 50. Well, you know what's funny? Yeah. Okay, right. I'm going to be, I'm probably going to be looking at him in 48th or later because I'm compulsive and I don't want to miss out. And I'm going to maintain that until he goes before me. Once he goes before me, then, you know, we have to start looking at new prices because that was the Eliezer Hernandez thing. Man, this is funny. By the time my freaking article comes out, the guy is not even going to be a top 300 guy anymore. You know, and that's, it's kind of what, it's kind of amazing how fast the, uh, the kind of the surge happens, right? It's like unbelievable. Guy catches a little bit of heat. You know, listen, you mentioned Vlad. Vlad is a straight up market maker in this game. Okay. And Chamberlain is a market maker. Think about what Chamberlain did for Jose Ramirez. When that, when that article came out about the breaking pit stuff, he literally changed Everybody's opinion, the entire industry's opinion, moved on Jose Ramirez, and yeah, then it was crazy. backed up. 
by another first half. Well, he was right. I mean, no, surprise, surprise. Uh, and more breaking bold takes here. Alex Chamberlain is very smart. You know, <laughs> he ended up being right. But the people that said, well, I think Jose's talent will eventually kind of shine through, those people ended up being right to a degree also. The second half was beautiful. Personally, I'm a little torn on him because I think when you take, you know, six months of consecutive ball with that kind of terrible production, it doesn't seem like much of a stretch to say he has a pathway back there. So where you kind of have to get Ramirez, man, you really, really, really got to be obsessed with steals if you're taking him at the 15 wheel. Um, I have had the wheel a couple times in draft champions. I have not taken Ramirez there. I think Ramirez is a guy where you're either you're either all in or you're all out because, yeah, well, and, and I feel I feel like more than half the draft is in. I think I think I think I think the. Uh, I think the proof's in the pudding. You know what I'm saying? He's going at the, at the first turn now. And I understand that it's only like nine picks, whatever, nominally. But to move, you know, from 24 to 15 is a tremendous leap. A tremendous leap. You know, and it's probably equivalent to the 200-pick jump we're talking about from guys in the back. It's not easy to pass over Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge, you know, because that's who's up there. And it's steals, man. It's all – it's a stolen base roto world right now, man. you got to get those steals. Oh, you know, look, I, I showed you – I showed you the uh, the draft that I just did. I actually – I feel felt like for the first time in my life, I didn't have a, I didn't have a wheel pick. And I actually <laughs> had a, a pick in the center, which, listen, I, I really do prefer – I just – I guess I prioritize 15 before seven. So when my number gets called for KDS, I end up at the back. Well, listen, man, I, I took guys that if you heard me talk about them, I'm not necessarily crazy about, you know, my first three hitters in that league were Marte in the second, Meadows in the third, Loriano in the fifth. I mean, no big surprise what they all have in common. Yep. Balanced, power balanced speed. Hit. Yeah. Yep, balanced, balanced balanced hit. Power speed. It's guys when we're considering trying to win an overall you know, obviously, to win the overall, you need to have a lot of things happen. They need to need to fall your way. You know, health and all that stuff. But they need pathways to those things, even in a best-case scenario. And listen, I, I really want Bryce Harper. But I don't think he could steal you the 32 bases that Marte could give you. You know, and if, if they happen to go nuts with him and green light him, you know, that might not be that nuts, 32. Same thing with... <laughs> Meadows, I don't, I don't think his – I'm lower on his stolen bases than maybe some. But I think he's at 12, and I think an excellent, healthy, lucky season gets us to 15, 16. And, you know, Loreano could be 30 bags also. So I feel really comfortable knowing that there's at least a passway to 85 stolen bases after five rounds. Yeah. But uh, you did mention – you mentioned some really, really good sources of steals also. Don't get me wrong. Mercado, I, I love. I'm surprised he's – I think he's still very low. I've been, I've, been out, I've been out on him just because I don't think – I don't know. I just don't trust his batting average for some reason. Yeah, well, listen, there, there are holes, and there are reasons to dislike him. But, but if you've passed on steals early, I don't think you have the luxury of looking past those holes because now you need stolen bases. There's just not much – there's just not much there. If you haven't addressed it – and we were talking about projections, you know, and, and this is kind of a, a mixture of applying actual projections with your own projections. Where are you going to get 100 steals if you don't have any in the first seven rounds? 
You make it hard on yourself. You, you you can't you can't get them in round forty. You can't rely on those guys with the the upside that aren't that aren't having no and, yeah. jobs. Oh man! In a best case scenario, fine. Anderson gets banged up in the uh, you know whatever in the preseason. And he needs Tommy John or something where he's out the whole year. And Mendick gets the call and he's the opening day starting you know uh, shortstop for the whole year. Yes, then you probably broke your draft champions league because you might have gotten 28 steals in the 50th round. <laughs> the chances of that happening are very low. You cannot bank on any if you know any of that really to win. You have to build at least an 80 steal base, I think. You know, you got you have to. You have to. I don't know how you how you plan on winning the overall without it. So for me, in that format, it's huge turnover. It turns me off big time to you know, the big sluggers up front that I love. Oh, man, I, you, you think I don't like Aaron Judge? You know, his picture's right over my son's crib, man. I love Aaron Judge. Jordan Alvarez, you know, these guys have a literal ceiling of a top five hitter in the league. But I have a very hard time, you know, reconciling getting zeros. I got one more. I got, I got a question unrelated to fantasy before we wrap up. Before we wrap up, do you have any other late-round guys you want to talk about or do you want to get Oh, man. Gosh, they're not that late anymore. Um, my man Stephen Brault has managed to avoid my helium, and he looks like he's lined up for some innings in Pittsburgh. I know they look pretty terrible, so the context is not great. But uh, he's late, late starting pitcher innings. Um, let's see. I was also – I got – oh, I remember I spoke to you about the Pedro Strump news. Yes. That did not, that, that did not move the needle for you, which is fine. But again, we're drawing these narratives and checking boxes. So if we're talking about a guy that I can get insanely late, I mean, he's got to be, geez, like yeah, he's 600, like six hundred yeah, plus. Yeah, I actually, well, Fantrax has him near eight hundred, so they're they're not as fluid, they're not moving as fast. Well, let's say it's six hundred. Okay, he's, he's been taken in this draft already, and we're at six fourteen. So okay, well, that's probably right where he belongs. I still, you know, late, you know, we're saying let's say after five hundred. Uh, and yeah. the 500, do not get cute with your price trying to squeeze out another round. If it's something that you feel, you know, is, it, is a reasonable percentage play, keeping in mind the relative percentage that happens at these things. You know what I mean? It's not gonna have, no one's going to have 100% probability of the best outcome. But if they have a real pathway, and like you mentioned before, there's a deficiency to fill. Go get the guy at 500. Don't care if it's a 605 ADP. That means I mean, it's stupid to think about it in that respect. But what I'm getting at, so Strop, we have a guy who has experience. He's actually closed games. The Reds look like they're making a bit of a push. Yeah. Right? They, they filled up the, the rotation. They're bringing in bats. They intend to win. They, they especially intend to beat the Pirates. Um, they also, I forgot the most important thing, is as we move into a more fluid use of relievers, I feel that becomes a team by team thing. Um, I forget who was it. Might have even been you. I hope it. Yeah, I hope I'm you know uh, not misquoting the wrong person. That had said uh, the Astros and I think the Yankees. Yeah, they have like great closers that we love, you know, to draft. But part of that is because they have these incredibly high closer usage numbers, let's say. You know what I mean? Like, they are very consistent with the traditional use of a closer. The reason I say that is the Reds were not. 
And as filthy as Iglesias is, I mean, he is disgusting. He's been used in that flex role. Could it be tinfoil hat time where they like and, – and if I remember correctly, he was not fantastic as a closer last year also, right? I think I think Rysel – Over four ERA? Yeah, okay, right, right, right. Um, although, remember, for this argument, we need the context of reliever, of closer versus not – you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I see. Yeah, I don't mean to – I hate knocking you down because I'm, like, I'm a fan of yours. But in the, in the, for the framing that I'm giving right now, if we're, you know, we're trying to say he excelled in that other flex role, I kind of would want to see that. So maybe between you and I, maybe we can come up with that, and it might help to build the validity for our Strop argument, um, long story long, is that they may have just backfilled a consistent starter that might get 40 saves that we can get at 600. Hmm. Interesting, but I, 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 I prefer Stevenson and, and Amir Garrett over his drop. I think okay. Uh, now, now, if you're telling me you prefer like stuff, uh, I'm not going to argue with you. There's no experience there. So you're sure. remember, I'm making a leap of faith. So I'm not putting down your my leap of faith is not better than yours. It's just different. I at least they're, at least they're not darts. No, right. Oh, again, not a dart. Look Look at the effort that we're putting in to pick 600, okay? If you throw darts against me, you're going to lose unless, of course, we're playing darts, at which I'm very bad. But that's probably less a skill thing and more, God, man, I have so little free time away from my kids. If I go to the bar, I get, like, ossified. I mean, I get obliterated. You know, I'm washing down beer with bourbon. You know, someone's driving me home. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, we, we talk about these checklists to build. I just think, man, I think they might be seeing five consecutive years of a sub three ERA from Strop. Maybe saying, man, maybe last year was the anomaly. I mean, I'm just looking at a bit of it now. His home run to fly ball rate nearly tripled um, while the ground ball rate went up. Um, so maybe he was especially – Victim to the bouncy ball, which again, maybe earmark that if we find out there's a ball change, maybe he's maybe he's somebody on that list. Um, uh, his whip was significantly higher. We're talking, geez, at, it was at least like you know, 20 point higher, 20 points higher than his four year average. Um, man, it's funny. I mentioned the home run, the fly ball home run weight went bananas near 90 percent. The fly ball rate, you know, was down under 31. So I got I see a 53% ground ball rate. That's a check mark for a closer. I see a 31% fly ball rate. That's a it's a check mark for a closer. Uh, I see a 34% hard hit rate, which is again sig- significantly higher than his last three or four years. And I feel like I'm building quite the argument for a 625 pick and a guy with a path you know, two thirty-five undisputed saves. So that's my that was the longest quick breakdown of a late pick that there is. That's your uh, longest non-dart throw. Um, yeah, I mean, it's part of my charm, you know. But again, there's a lot of information, and I hope, aside from adding actual facts, I'm you know, this was what kind of was getting me heated up when you were saying people not digging the the Mike the mouth thing. Listen, not everything is numbers. They're subjective players, and you must prepare. It's almost like the projections. 
Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you a little spoiler. I'm, I'm guessing I'm speaking to you tomorrow night. Oh, is he back again? He's back again, and he's. How am I he, supposed to get the league leading appearances? Man, is ridiculous. He, Dexter over here is freaking going nuts. Dexter is freaking out right now. I know Dexter. He's going to be good. Zach, Zach is good for at least you figure twenty follows a podcast. So you're going to have to yeah. get you back. Yeah, I told I, he he's, he said he's going to come bring it because I told him the the second episode didn't do as well as the first episode uh, with him. So he's got. I'm, well, like, I'm going to go back. I can't give you my he, full assessment, yeah. and I always do. I'm very honest. No, no, I'm just saying in terms of listens, like it, it did not get as many listens. I'm not like this is a, this is an objective measure. Yeah. Um, well, also remember um, when you're doing your own accounting that um, a a you know a lower follow count for those a lower listener count, let's say. Uh, might just be reflective of the analytical nature of your audience, and it might not be like a quality thing, you know. True. true. Same, so I but- even I analyze analysts the way I analyze players, right? And I don't try to make assumptions. The one assumption I will make is that if you put me and him in the same room, you're not getting a fucking in word in edgewise. That's one prediction. No, no, it would go on and on and on. Hey, you, we talked. You alluded to the Astros a bit before we before we end the podcast. I want to get your thoughts on just. Uh, I don't know. I just want to throw it out there. Do you think Barry Bonds belongs in the Hall of Fame? I absolutely believe he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I agree with you. We are still best friends. It is It is a, a museum of the greatest baseball players, okay? I, I, and I'm an analyst myself, even though it's hard for me to, I don't know what I think of myself. Though. I should not be the gatekeeper of the Hall of Fame. And I don't mean to point out anybody... So if you are like a Hall of Fame voter and you're happening to be listening to this and you also happening to be like some kind of sniveling, sycophantic loser. The first thing you should do is follow Dexter the cat. <laughs> I would rather Dexter pick my Hall of Fame, you know, players than some of these writers. Oh, who yeah. Own a distinct propensity for hyper-partisan activism. Okay. You are a blue-checked baseball journalist that does not make you a political pundit your opinions are valued on baseball no one necessarily wants to hear them on politics and not to pick on the writers anymore the hall itself is not a moral compass it is not the hall of great dudes okay ty cobb is a known racist womanizer there are known um, yeah, like, listen, especially in today's day and age where, you know, that is not cool, okay? And those guys now would not be allowed in. So, please, the guy is a hammer. He was cheating. He was, and not only, please, to me, cheating, you know, it's not the same as you were hiding cards if you sleep. This guy was cheating along with everybody else. Exactly. Mind you, as he was being lauded for the home runs he hit, as he was saving the game, you know what I'm saying? So, like, please spare me all these, you know, uh, uppity and self-satisfied smug idiots. Oh, well, you know, he doesn't deserve it. He's not good enough. If you were watching baseball from the late 90s through the millennia into the early 2000s, he was the best damn baseball player I've ever seen in my life. He belongs in the hall. For me, that's just end game. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't want, I hate all these writers that just uh, take their head up from writing about like 
marry Lemieux for a year, and then they're like, oh, I don't – and then they pretend to know something about baseball and say, no, Barry Bonds. Oh, he's mean. Oh, he's mean. He put a meme. Oh, he put a meme on the internet. You need to get over yourself. Seriously, get over yourself. And I I hate when people kind of do this when they're like, it's a game. It's a game. Man, it's a game it's them, it's, it's the writers wanting attention for themselves. Just oh, you are not right. They are not the arbiters of truth. And they certainly, in my opinion, should not be the gatekeepers of the museum. You know, and that's what it is. Listen, a museum is supposed to be a place of historical learning, right? I am very much a history buff. I love, love American history. I'm very patriotic, you know, in my grandfather served in World War II and I've always had, you know, an affinity for history. You do the actual learning process a disservice by trying to erase the facts. It happened. You don't have to be happy about it. You can literally put a star on the plaque. You could put a poster next to it. Not that I don't think for the next hundred years, the, the fathers and sons and uncles and cousins and all the men and women that go to enjoy the baseball museum are not going to pass that on to their son. Hey, listen, if my son has a half a brain when he's 12 years old, he might say, hey, dad, how did that guy go up three full head sizes when he <laughs> And I would say, well, son, at the time, baseball was struggling for offense. They did not have a firm set of rules to keep up with the technology in the performance enhancement market and couple that with the blind eye because of the money it was raking in. And you got a whole era of hitters and pitchers. What do we know? We don't know who else was doing it. They don't all make you jacked, right? They don't all make you jacked. They were Mar- guys- Sterling Marte. Yeah, right. Absolutely. 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 I remember, although I was going to say Andy that- Pettit. Well, you know, dude, you read my mind. However, uh, watching Andy Pettit his entire career, when he lifted that front leg up, I was like, yo, this guy could crush a sealed soda can with his Well, oh, I thought you were going to say this guy had nice balls. Well, he might have <laughs> nice balls, but they were blocked by that gigantic <laughs> thoroughbred hand hock in front of him. <laughs> he was huge. Dude, don't listen. They're big. I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't care for any of that. So I think I just, bottom line is we're saying that Barry Bonds get Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. I don't care. Dude, if you, I, don't care really, I don't care if they put a giant dick on his forehead in the Hall of Fame, but get yes, him. Yes, I agree. I, you know what? Even I feel like even if you made his little display, where every time someone stepped in front of it, confetti came out and we sang a song about Barry Bonds. The people that care, which is the the people that we should be worrying about, the people that truly love the game and are going to pass it into the future, are going to tell the next of kin, their friends and family, about that. You know what I mean? My son will be firmly educated onto this. So, like, you're not – if anything, they're only hurting their own brand. That's what I'm getting at. Like, so what my son's going to say, so if I want to know who the best players are, I should just go to you and not the museum? I'm going to say, yeah, pretty much, because in case you were wondering, the guy with the most hits ever, oh, he's not in either. You know, it's, it's <laughs> well, same, same, same argument there. Uh, yeah, I think you're onto something. I think we should have his display. And then every time somebody steps there, the living libido loco by Ricky Martin comes on. Listen, man, give him a hit. I hate it. I hate, I hate when people try and put emotional stamps on a factual occurrence. It happened. 
Okay. Now Pete Rose, Pete Rose may be a little bit different because remember that rule was in place and it specifically said banned from the game. So I, I, I also a bit of a law guy and I think rules need to be followed, especially when they're in place, you know, and agreed upon, right? You put your name on the contract, you sign the dotted line, you, you know, are liable for those things. So as much as I, you know, I do feel the guy with the most hits should be in the museum. I understand that more than I understand the major league baseball executives and owners and whatever string switch pullers are going on to all of a sudden take this, you know, high ground about, you know, how dare you cheat? You knew it. You knew it. The reports were all there. Stop your nonsense. hundred percent. Last point, last point I want to make about this is there, they just finished their eighth year on the bonds and Clemens I'm referring to. Um, I think they're around, they got around 60% and they're not getting much traction, but their last year of the ballot will be two years from now. And guess who comes on the ballot that year? Oh. A-Rob. So I'm wondering if that's going to throw a wrench that's into things. That's really interesting. That, that's he's, re- he's something because he really kind of rebuilt his entire persona. Yeah, so I, what, I'm, what I'm thinking is, okay, well, there's certain people that just refuse to vote for him. But I'm wondering if the people that, refu- that refuse to vote for Bonds and Clemens will vote for A-Rod and that will sway their vote. Because I, I see that it's sort of like a, like a, a fun coincidence uh, that those two things are going to intersect. Listen, and, and let them do, I, I don't know, I just to me, it, it, I, I don't like, I don't like, when we're talking about baseball, I want to talk about baseball, okay? I don't like to talk about contracts unless it affects, you know, playing time, which affects fantasy analysis. I, I just don't care about the other stuff. To me, it's silly. It gets in the way. It's not important to me, and I don't care about it. So I like to spend my time on it. The Hall of Fame is one of those things. I, and if we really want to get down to how analysts like myself really think, Here's a, little, here's a little nugget for everybody. While you guys are hashing out your arguments and tweaking at each other for the Hall of Fame, I'm like, yes, this gives me an opportunity to gain ground on my competition because I'm working on other stuff. That's intense. It's just true. I, I don't have a single Hall of Fame tweet. Dude, you can tweet my Twitter handle and just about anything baseball-related, and you're going to get a swath of information. I do not care about the Hall of Fame all i'm a tremendous yankee fan bro we are dyed in the wool pinstripers i have some of my fondest memories of my father are revolved around the yankees i live and breathe the new york yankees bro i love them i did not even bat an eye at the derogita thing in fact i'm the worst i was like oh shit Derek's sitting in the hall of fame all right that's deserved and that was it for me i'm not even going to invest a second that i need to be progressing in my own work on that those games already happened, man. So how'd you like our last 10 minutes of conversation? <laughs> well, every one little thing turns into a snowball with me. But I hope, listen, if people stuck around this long, it's, it's for, you know, it's for us. So hopefully. Unless we kept the BS to the end of it. So. Yeah, well, hey, well, at least it was baseball, too. It really is. I think, you know, I think our opinion on it is, is under um, amplified, let's say, right? It's under amplified because – the most amplified voices are the ones with the ballots and they're singing down the hill about how it's some moral competition to get in. I don't care about that whatsoever. And then of course you're going to have analysts that care what those people think and would never upset the blue check brigade. I could give a shit less. And I hope people that like me give a shit less what any of those people think. Well said. So John MLB, MLB moving average. So MLB moving AVG. Check it. Check it out at the athletic too, baby. 
Turn Two podcast with Matt. Turn Williams. Two, Turn Two. Yeah, I forget, man, Matt. If you ever hear this, I'm sorry. I always forget the plug. I just have so much, so 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 much going on. But right, tis the season, man. Tis the season. Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get Matt on this uh, podcast. For oh, sure. I, that, that'd be he's, awesome. one, yeah, he's yeah. one of the guys that I've been meaning to get on. But like, you oh, know, he, we've he, been lucky. Great. We've and been so I've been so blessed and like God has shone down on me getting my <laughs> three times like. It's like, I don't even, I can't even compare it to anything. You know, if I could just one last, last, last thing. Yeah. Not only you and I, but he and I, we have really become friends. And I, I know not everyone's into that whole, like, oh, pat each other on the back type thing in the baseball community. I'm not that easy to make friends with. I have a lot of friends, but I'm, you know, I'm uh, 37 years old. I have friends, you know, I'm the type of person I keep them for when I'm little. You know, I have friends in my elementary school still. So they are few and far between for me. I just tend to keep the good ones on. Zach, you and, and Maddie too, you know, you're on a short list. The uh, baseball community is filled. You flattered you had me back and stuff. Thank you. I'm, I'm flattered. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to powder your fucking cheeks or whatever. Oh right man, you don't, listen, listen. I've, I've, I've done that enough. Yelling at me. I have an unstable internet connection. We got to end this. It's yelling oh. at me. All right. Well, thanks again. And um, I'll, t- I'll talk to you later. I might just punish, but might just pump this shit out and not even edit it. Oh know. man. Oh, so much us. So much us. All right. I'll talk to you later, buddy. All right, I'm going to get out of here, all right? All right, bye. Thanks again.